here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crage. <laughs> Give me a name. Like Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In, like in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? Just stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Crage alongside, as always. King of banter himself, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, how's it going? It's going all right, Rich. I um, I received some breaking news right before we started the show here. Uh oh, I don't know if I even know this. I, I, you might not. Um, this I think is a great way to start the show. But Rich, um, were you aware that WrestleMania is about the moments and not the matches? Were you aware of that, Rich? Uh, not before today. I was not aware. Not, I mean, it's something not, that we've... Not before you were scolded by um, <laughs> various uh, headmasters of, uh, of, of Twitter school that, uh, that WrestleMania is, in fact, about the moments, Rich. Mm-hmm. And is not... Did you, did you have any clue, Rich? I had Rich, no clue. Rich I mean, Rich, we, we had... Let me frame it to you this way, Rich. Yeah, yeah, Rich. yeah. Did you have any clue previous to today when you were scolded and, and hit with a ruler on the wrist that WrestleMania is not about match quality? Did you have any idea that that was the case, Rich? To be honest, we, though we had repeated it every single year for five years and it was one of our main talking points anytime we talk about WrestleMania and the booking of WrestleMania, I wasn't really aware of it. You know what I mean? Aware is a very strong word in this case. I might have mentioned it, you know, doing air quotes there. We may have talked about it. It might have been one of our talking points. Numerous times when when speaking about WrestleMania, but it wasn't until those people said, "Rich, it is about the moments, not about the man." No, I was not. So it, it was an enlightening day for me. I, I don't know if you had the same experience as well on our uh, our Twitter sphere. And I, I I was this close to just deleting Twitter altogether today Twitter, and saying, "You know what? You know, I don't care. I don't care anymore. Twi- I'll, I'll just pump out. You know, I'll, I'll have the auto poster go out there and send our shit out there. I'll jump in for pay per views maybe because everybody kind of has some good fun during pay per views, and then everything else just burn f- with fire and get it all out of there because it's always awful. Twi- <laughs> Twitter fucking stinks." Can we just be honest about it? I mean, it just brings out the absolute worst in people. Yeah, which which sucks because there is like I would say a good sixty percent. Maybe that maybe that number would be a little bit higher of our followers are are really cool and I love interacting with them. But the, like the loudest other thirty or forty percent are just the fucking worst. You know, to be fair, I don't even think it's that high of a percentage. I mean, no, it's probably even lower than that. It's a very vocal minority. The, the, that makes the it. thing is, Rich, the vast majority of people. Uh, Completely understood the points we were trying to make and, you know, weren't trying to scold us with a ruler like uh, some assorted, you know, dopes were. 
But um, look, I had I listen. Assorted dorps. Assorted dorps. Yeah, I mean, that's a good. I uh, wonder. That's a good band name. Well, I um, mean, it, it, I mean, look, I had no idea that simply preferring to see or wanting to see good matches was some kind of controversial opinion. I mean, yeah, I was a little shocked by that today too. What, that that I mean, was a, uh, people... a hot take of you know I would prefer this guy that I enjoy being in a match that I like as opposed to a match that I don't like. No, or, it's about I, moments. Yeah, I prefer wrestler X, who I think is very good, to not face somebody who absolutely. Fucking but it's sucks. about moments, right? I mean, that's basically what it was. It's it's just Shane McMahon was good in 2001. All right, it, it's cool. It's just about like... saying you'd prefer to see something with full understanding of what WrestleMania is, and then people shouting at you. It's about moments. You don't know what WrestleMania is. Look, we know. We get it. Relax. We know what WrestleMania is all about. We've been talking about it for five years. I mean, what? I, 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 I didn't understand it was a controversial opinion. I mean, these people are just it's so ultra aggressive, uh, you know, in, in, in scolding you and chastising you and trying to explain to you what WrestleMania is. Look, we know what WrestleMania is all about. That's why it finished first and worst major show last year. We get it. It's not about the matches. We understand that. But what I, I really don't get why people are so aggressively against the idea of, hey, man, I think I'd rather see AJ Styles have a better opportunity to have a great match. That completely set people off over the last uh, 20 it was, so. it, it was either everybody really likes Shane O'Mac more than uh, I imagined or, yeah, people just it, – it, it's very weird. And it's been a weird week of people really, like, ultra-defending stuff that WWE did when it's it, – it's understood. We know what's going on, and we'll talk about that when we talk about Fastlane. And this is my big fight on Sunday or whatever about the, the Owens-Goldberg thing. We'll, we'll get to that when we get to it. But it was just a weird week of everybody being like, you don't understand. You don't get it. It's like, I, I do. It's just sometimes you prefer the other. and, and like You know what? We're being, we're being too polite. Everybody fucking gets it, okay? You're, you're... <laughs> You're not you're not some kind of savant because you because you under you, you're not some kind of wrestling business savant when you say to us and quote tweet us so all your dopey followers get to see you chastising us. You're not some kind of wrestling savant when you say WrestleMania isn't about great matches, it's about the moments. We all know that dope. You're missing the point. You know, we're not singling anyone out. You woke up to I got hit with it last night. And yeah, I, I arise, you know, you I woke up, up at like 5 a.m. And I was just like, oh, my God, like, what is going on? Yeah, a bunch of junior Meltzers here fucking explain their Meltzer explaining to us what WrestleMania is all about. <laughs> Trust me, we know. OK, we run a pretty successful podcast. We know what WrestleMania is about. You're the dopes who keep missing the point. OK, the point here is it would be nice to see AJ Styles backdoor his way into a match that would have a better chance of being an absolute classic than wrestling Chris Jericho in a prelim, which, by the way, that match stunk, okay? It was an Absolutely average stunk, match, yeah. okay? A totally average match, okay? Or Shane McMahon, who, like, I mean, come on, look, here's the weird, Rich, here's the other thing. I can't speak for you. You can speak for yourself. Over the course of the last 24 hours, I never even once said that that, might, that, that doesn't have a chance to be a great match. No, I think it's going to be the match of the night. It, it has a chance to be a great match. <laughs> like, My only thing, the, the, Rich, the original tweet that set all of this off, and I'm not looking at it, but I'm going to paraphrase it, was me posing a question to our Twitter followers. And that question was, and I'm paraphrasing, AJ Styles is now 40 years old. They've burned two manias uh, with this guy on a Chris Jericho prelim 
and Shane McMahon. And my question for the followers was, is time running out for AJ Styles to have a classic WrestleMania match? How innocuous is that tweet, Rich? It's a pre- it's just a, it's just a question. Is time running out? Is he getting a little old? Are they going to wait too long? Uh, you know, if, if, is he, look, nowhere in that tweet did I suggest that WrestleMania should be the best possible work rate matches. Nowhere in that tweet did I suggest that they're doing the wrong things in this WrestleMania, although I do have a problem with a few of the matches that they're, they've put together. It was just a simple question. Is time running out for this all-time legend, this all-time great wrestler, this Hall of Fame-level wrestler, maybe one of the 10 best wrestlers that ever stepped foot in the ring, are we running out of time to see him have a classic WrestleMania match? That's all I did. I just posed a question. And, you know, as, yeah, and, and I'm being shouted at immediately, WrestleMania is about moments. Yes, I know that. There's nothing to do with the question I asked. I have a full understanding of what WrestleMania is and what they're thinking about when they put together the WrestleMania card. And I'm not suggesting, and I understand why they do it. But, uh, geez, Rich, was that tweet really that inflammatory? I'm yeah, and, and what was funny, too, yeah, the fuse just slid, and people just went nuts, too. And, I, and then we were getting a lot of people that were like, well, this guy was good until he was 50 or whatever. And it's, I'm, I'm glad that some guys were great when they were 50, but okay, I think so your question is absolutely— The answer to your, my question is, no, time isn't running out. That's all. I just asked the question. I don't right. know so aggressive about and, and, you know, and trying the thing to melt too. or explain me what WrestleMania yeah, is. Yeah. I know what WrestleMania is, okay? If anything, I should be telling you what WrestleMania is. Don't you don't tell me anything. <laughs> You're the king of answers. Sir. Yeah. BBC calls you. They don't call that. Exactly. Right. But, um, no, but your point about the 40 was, was, was somewhat accurate. Lanza, to... Rich. Yeah. You're trying to tell me what WrestleMania is all about? <laughs> you don't melt or explain me. I melt or explain you. Go ahead. Uh, but I was saying your point about him being 40 or whatever kind of goes to the point we talked about last week where this guy just really has never had a major injury. There's never been something that's really slowed him down. I mean, there was the back issue, you know, as as he was kind of, you know, ending up with his time in New Japan and people wondered, oh, my God, is he going to pass a physical or whatever? That kind of just went away and was fine or whatever. And like, so there, there's been a lot of health on his side or whatever. And you're asking a very simple question that, hey, two years into this, this tenure of AJ Styles in WWE at 40 years old, he's had two, you know, not great bookings against, you know, a Chris Jericho or a Jay McMahon. Man, not that again, not that the Shane McMahon match might not be good, but just that the, the variables and the chances of it being good are, are lower than it would be if AJ Styles was against someone that didn't suck ass like Shane O'Mac does. But um, the idea is that you know you've had health on your side, and, and you basically just asked how many years left for him to have a classic. And, and I think that's fair to ask because if for some unfortunate reason during the summer this year, Styles goes down with a major injury or whatever, it's a lot harder to recover and be a great wrestler if you're trying to recover from a torn ACL or whatever, you know, whatever it is at age 40 than it is at, you know, age 35 or whatever. I mean, this is, he's in his peak and you want to see his peak be, you know, utilized the best. And I don't think anybody, I, I apparently that's a hot take. I don't, it's I, a hot take to, to, to want to see a great match. I don't, I don't get it. But here, here's the thing. Well, that's, it's like, oh, it, go ahead. It's like because, you know, because we're aware of how WrestleMania is booked and how it's not booked like Wrestle Kingdom where they're not gunning to have great matches. It's, it's for moments, Joe. I don't know if you knew. I, 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 you know WrestleMania, I was, yeah. I was, moments, I was taught yeah. to – listen, my, my wrist is still red from being hit with the ruler, Rich. I'm, I, okay. I've learned my lesson that WrestleMania is about moments. Uh, the, the, you know, I don't know how many times we could be told the same obvious point that everyone's privy to, but whatever. But, I mean, the, the idea is – uh, my question was just, look, how many more years does he have left until he may accidentally get booked into something that could be a career-defining great match? I mean, this is a guy who's done it all inside the ring. He's had classics at Wrestle Kingdom. He's had classics in WWE. He had a great career in TNA. He's won Wrestler of the Year awards. He's been widely recognized as one of the 
you know, greatest wrestlers of his era and perhaps all time. What is this man? He's won, you know, the world title, a version of the world title in New Japan and WWE. What's left for this man to do? It's to have the great WrestleMania match. And he might have it this year. I mean, I think he's capable of having a great match with just about anybody. And he's certainly capable of carrying uh, a 50-year-old-plus Shane McMahon to a great match because if nothing else, Rich, Shane McMahon is a guy who's always going to work hard and bust his ass. I do not question the effort level of Shane McMahon. Uh, from the very first time he ever stepped in the ring, this was a guy who was not going to be outworked by anybody on the roster. He understands that he's the boss's son. He understands that he's front office. He understands that he's a part-timer, and I think that he's a guy who really does bust his ass when he's asked oh, to get absolutely. inside no, the no, ring. No, no. Yeah, for um, sure. Now, his performances in his last two matches were not good. I mean, the rest the, the Undertaker match was a bad match. It was a bad match with a very memorable stunt at the end of the match, uh, which I give him a lot of credit. I mean, that takes a, a lot of wrestlers wouldn't have done. The guy has a lot of guts to dive off the top of the cage like that. I mean, absolutely. I have nothing against Shane McMahon from that perspective. He'll work hard. And you put him in there with AJ Styles, they're going to do some, you know, crazy and probably reckless things. I'm sure the match will be very memorable and there's a chance that the match could be great. And I do think there's an excellent chance it's the best match of the night. Absolutely. I never said otherwise, nor did you. My concern was, and it was really only a minor thing that ended up blowing up, uh, was are we running out of time for AJ Styles to get that optimum WrestleMania matchup where he's guaranteed or as close to guaranteed as possible to having one of those great WrestleMania classics. But Rich, here's the thing. I thought Rich McCarron made a good point. Uh, Rob McCarron made a good point. Do we really ever get those anymore outside of The Undertaker? You know, and, and that, that feeds into what I'm concerned about. Because WrestleMania is booked the way it is, and again, we're not even arguing against the building. Uh, against, oh, we get yeah, it. We, we understand. understand. We understand why WrestleMania is more of a, a showcase. and and It's about moments instead of matches. <laughs> exactly. We've we've come on here and told our listeners that for five years, we totally understand it. I'm not arguing against it. And in fact, people who said to me, well, who should AJ be facing then? My response was, look, I know yours was a little different and I'll let you defend that. But mine was, look, I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. Again, I'm not bashing the booking here. I'm just saying how many more years do we have before we run out of chances for this guy to have a, a, a landmark, super memorable career defining great WrestleMania match. And for all the things he's done, that's the last thing on his list. That's all. And I had no idea that that was going to be some super <laughs> hyper controversial question to ask. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, maybe, and, and look, it, it might be this year's match for all I know. It has a chance, uh, you know, it has, it definitely has a chance, but go ahead. No, m one of my things that I was going to bring up as well. And I think it's more important now than ever to especially with the roster as talented as, as it is, and I mentioned this, you know, this morning when when I got up and was kind of talking about it a little bit, is you know, it's, I think it's very important now that you have a roster that is super talented that that has a ton of guys that can go in the ring for there to be at least one match or so every WrestleMania that's a match that you can sit down and you can say hey, that was just an incredible match. Yes, the rest of this is about the Rock with a blowtorch and Austin coming out and spraying the New Day with beer and and the you know the Undertaker doing his thing and Goldberg coming out and Brock Lesnar and Shawn Michaels and eventually Hulk Hogan will be back and you know what I mean like we see this parade and parade of of, of old guys now in, in WrestleMania and that's what it is. It's very much a celebration of the company's history, where it's been, all that sort of stuff. I think now more than ever it's important to just have one match that a bunch people can say hey that was really awesome hey you know in this five-hour show 
there was 30 minutes there that really ruled. I mean, yes, there, there was a bunch of stuff that, that maybe doesn't work for me. Maybe I don't really enjoy, but man, that 30 minutes was really awesome. Like, I don't think it's that hard uh, or that hot take to say, you know, it's not bad just to have a good match every so often on WrestleMania because you're right. It, it has been a while since we've had one of those, but the show keeps getting longer. It keeps getting more drawn out. There keeps being more, you know, extras. Now we have the new day hosting. We know that one of the matches Goldberg and Lesnar is going to go, you, you know, it can't go 15 minutes that match. We know that match can't go a half an hour. Why, why not then give one of your super talented guys a bunch of time to do something like that? It, you know, it, like, I, I just don't think it's that big of a deal with a roster as talented as you have just to say, hey, here's two guys and they're going to have a really good match for 30 minutes because they have done that before. I mean, there, there was, you know, a few years, I mean, this is now more than a handful of years ago, but uh, there was a Kurt Angle HBK match that really kind of came out of nowhere and it was because the rest of the Mania card didn't look very good and they said, ah, we need a match that's good. They put that on there. I mean, there was the Undertaker match that kind of rely on for a lot of years to be that match. I mean, through the HBK years, through even the Triple H years, whether you like those matches or not, they still, uh, you know, for a lot of people, they, they worked. Even that CM Punk Undertaker match, for a lot of people, that one worked, and that was a pretty good match. match. I mean, yeah, I, I do too. I really, all-time carry job by CM Punk there, because you could see that Undertaker was well, it was falling apart a little bit there. But And, and for some people, they loved, you know, the Daniel Bryan matches or whatever, We, we you know, at WrestleMania 30. Uh, the opener with, with Triple H, I enjoyed a lot, but the main event I didn't really like, uh, you know, a whole lot. And we, we talked about that, too. And we got a lot of shit on that night, too. But now more and more, as we've gone over the past few years, you could put those handful of years, and there hasn't been one of those good matches. And I think it's made the show, at least from my standpoint of watching, again, I'm not saying the business, I'm not saying, oh, the business is going to crumble in case if this match, there's not a good match on the show or whatever. I'm just talking about from our, and, and I'm, I'm not speaking for you here a little bit, but we're speaking from our perspective of, hey, if we're going to sit down for five or six hours on this thing, It'd be pretty nice to have a 30-minute match that I know, God, that was a really good match. Oh, that's really cool. There we go. And then the other thing I wanted to bring up as well before I let you kind of respond here is, you know, people bring up, oh, the moments, the moments, the moments, the moments. A lot of the moments that we remember from from famous WrestleManias were dealt with a really great match afterwards. I mean, one of the, the iconic moments, at least for me, is that Austin-Bret Hart match. You know, Austin turning face in front of Chicago and then turning heel on Bret Hart. If that was a shitty match and they did that angle, I, I don't know that it would have been the same as them following an incredible match with that angle. I mean, the, the Undertaker, Shawn Michaels things, those are moments, yeah, but strip, you know, anything. Those are just fucking great matches, too. They're really good, and that's why they became moments. Watch the build of those matches. The build wasn't any good to those matches, but... The matches were great, and people remember those. And that's the moment now is, oh, my God, how great was that first Taker-Michaels match? How great was that second one? The the, the Michaels-Rick Flair one I always bring up. The, you know, Rick Flair's retirement match or whatever. There's the the iconic moment of, you know, Shawn Michaels saying, I'm sorry, I love you or whatever. And, like, but that was a really good match, too. And it's like this idea that they're separate, that these entities can't be the same, that, well, moments are over here and matches are over here. And, oh, you can't blend the two. God damn. No, no, no. You can only create moments. You can't create good matches. You can do both. It's not that hard. They've done a it. Great many, many times. A great match can be a great moment. Exactly. And, and it has been. If you, at have a, if you have a great match at WrestleMania, it's probably going to translate to a good moment. I mean, that's just the way it works. Right. Steamboat Savage. Great match. Great moment. That's an iconic moment from that WrestleMania. Right. And that wasn't a great moment because George Animal Steel, you know, uh, came in with the ring bell. It was a great moment because it was a great match. Great matches create great moments. Um, I just, I, I, I I, it's just amazing to me that it's controversial to say, hey, you know what, man? I, I, I'd like to see a, a great AJ Styles match at WrestleMania at some point. I mean, it'd be one thing if we were railing on the idea. I mean, it just, it's, I just, I'm just saying at some point I'd like to see one. Um, you know, it's, I don't even necessarily have an issue with, with, with the book. Look, I, cause I get it. I know what it is. I understand the directions these matches are going. Now, 
do I think that the company should have built to Cena styles at WrestleMania instead of Royal Rumble? Yes, I do. Yeah, that was my, my take as well. Do I think the company should have built towards um, Bailey winning her first title and Charlotte losing her first pay-per-view match at WrestleMania instead of uh, Fastlane, Vroom Vroom, or Raw, or whatever the fuck? Yeah, yes, I do. Um, do. But look, once those things were etched in stone and happened, I understand why they're doing the matches that they're doing now. Um, I'm just saying, are we ever going to see the great AJ Styles WrestleMania match? And I, I really don't... I, I, I cannot comprehend how in any way, shape, or form asking that question or wanting to see a great AJ Styles match on the biggest stage is something controversial. It strikes me as just being willfully argumentative because what is there to argue there? You're arguing about someone wanting to see a great match. I'm not asking them to change the way that they book their WrestleManias. We know the score. We know how it works. Very, very strange, Rich. Just a strange responses to uh, uh, to these opinions. I, I just don't it was know. interesting. Yeah, that was interesting. So uh, some other stuff we're going to talk about today. Um... As well, uh, Impact Wrestling, they had their uh, tapings. Uh, it's going to be a spoiler-heavy segment, so whenever we do it, we will warn you, because I, I think we have to go through these spoilers, because there's... Uh, yeah, Impact is... Okay, <laughs> we'll, go, we'll, we'll, we'll do that in a bit. Our, our hope and our intrigue and our, our, our excitement last week might be uh, quelled a lot uh, when we read these spoilers. We'll go over that. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling had their 45th anniversary uh, shows. We're going to talk about both of them as well. Uh, Fastlane, we'll do our review of WWE Fastlane after we uh, did not preview it last week. And then uh, some other stuff going on as well. Uh, ROH having their 15th anniversary pay-per-view this weekend. You probably don't know because they do a terrible job of promoting themselves, but they are indeed having a 15th anniversary pay-per-view, so we'll break down uh, the card as we know it right now. And then we will also reveal the top 25 of the honor roll. ROH's 50 Greatest Wrestlers Ever. It says you have to wait until Friday to get this on the website, but we will give it to you today. Are we breaking rules 25. by doing that? We are bra- No, I, I asked politely, and they said, no, we're, do- we're, we're doing it as well. Because old Mikey Falcone and Brad are doing a, uh, a podcast as well. Okay. Um, uh, revealing the top 25, too. So it's okay. We're just trying to pump up our, our podcast here gotcha. a little bit before it goes on the website. So no, I asked. I said, eh, I don't want to break any rules. I don't want to, you know. Ruin our uh, good relationship we got going here, but no, it's it's fine. So, because uh, I think we have some interesting insights into some of the voting patterns as well for that top twenty-five. Not necessarily. I don't think we're going to argue too much about the rankings of everybody, but there are some fun stuff to kind of chew on a little. I got bit a with, major with problem with a lot of things that went down in that vote. I got to yeah, be honest. Yeah, so we'll... I, I don't understand how only three guys appear on all one hundred and eleven ballots. Yeah, there's one that that we had to like quadruple check just to make sure that the person that didn't vote for this one particular guy. Listen, um, I'm shaming some voters because there's at least three people <laughs> on here, if not more, four, five. There's about a half a dozen names on here where I cannot fathom you completely leaving them off your ballot unless you just made a mistake or forgot. I think the entire top ten need to be on everybody's ballot. And it, it works, I so. Yeah, I think everyone on the top ten, yeah, absolutely. Looking at those names, you know, how some of these guys were left off of ballots. I, that, the number two guy, Rich, how do you leave him off? <laughs> that was the one. That was the one where we – How does that happen? It was it was a, almost an entire day of us messaging together, being like, "All right, we got to find out if this guy meant it." Or, and I, I wasn't involved in that, but Brad basically came back and was like, "Yeah, he, he didn't." I was and, like, oh, and he "Okay, meant it. He like, just forget about it." He meant that's because we were like, "He's got to just like been like, oh crap, yeah, of course, <laughs> duh. How do I forget about X or whatever?" Or, "Oh no, I meant to vote for him, and I voted for you know Rhett Titus or something like that." And it, no, no, he just didn't vote on that guy. I'm so dig yeah. into that later. I am baffled. 
We will. Uh, where do you want to start here? We got a plenty of plenty of things. I to get think to. there's nowhere to start except for fast lane vroom vroom. Um, we already, you know, did a little WWE here, so we might as well keep the continuity going. Um, look, we generally come on here and tell people how much we enjoyed WWE uh, pay-per-views. They're usually very good. There's the odd one here or there, which just kind of misses the mark. Um, you hated this fucking show. I really did not like the show at you all, were no. part of the team review, and you really hated this fucking show. I didn't like the show. I don't think I had the same vitriol towards this show as you did. Um, but I, I can't, at the same time, I can't call it a good show. I think there's a lot to unpack with the main event. You went on a very spirited and passionate Twitter rant about the main event, which has sort of been forgotten now that we have become the biggest heels on wrestling Twitter for simply suggesting that we'd like to see AJ Styles have a great match at some point uh, in his career at WrestleMania. But uh, earlier this week, uh, I like that you're causing all the Twitter problems now, by the way. (laughs) You started the AJ one. Uh, I just didn't let it go away. I just didn't let it die. AJ thing died. Listen, after the dopes who were arguing with me took their L's after I stomped them into the ground, you reopened the wound in the morning. That was the problem there. You know what I mean? So it's like, but anyway, um, (laughs) earlier in the week, you were just going insane about this Goldberg-Kevin Owens match. And um, and we kind of have differing. It's one of those situations where it seems like we have differing opinions, but I think it's just a matter of, um, you know, you know, theoretically, I agree with everything that you're saying, except I just I think I just don't give a shit as much as you do. And that's why it's not bothering me as much. But I'll let you explain why you fucking hated everything about this match. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, once you simmer down, I'll uh, I'll jump in and give my thoughts. Yeah, so so I know this is going to shock you, Joe, but I, I think my point was misconstrued uh, on Twitter on Sunday when I was when I was discussing it because that never happens it, on Twitter ever. I know, I it, it was a shocking revelation <laughs> again, much like moments, not matches at WrestleMania. A shocking revelation that people just don't you know really kind of get the point that you're trying to make because people grab one little thing or or grab one part that you say and then they harp on that or whatever. Full disclosure, I don't care that Goldberg beat. Kevin Owens for the title. I, th- that doesn't bother me. There's not some idea that, oh my God, you, you've, you've shown the world that it doesn't matter how hard you work. Like a guy can just come in. Cause some people get on that about the part timers and da, 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 da. you know, I don't like it. Would I prefer Kevin Owens had the title still? Yeah, probably. But I'm not mad that Goldberg beat him. I'm mad in the manner in which he beat him because I thought the way that they did it was some of the worst booking I've ever seen this company do, at least in a main event spot and building to a WrestleMania. When you think about, the idea that, okay, so you get Owens and, and he stalls for a little bit. And I like that idea too. I like that he, in his mind, said, hey, you know, you beat Lesnar in, in, in a minute or whatever the hell it was. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stretch the thing out. I'm going to make sure you don't beat me in a minute. I thought the bell had rang immediately. So I thought that was part of the, the match. Come to find, you know, they, they didn't ring the bell. Even though I swore, did they ring the bell at first and then not say they rang the bell and then ring it later? Okay, so they didn't ring the bell. And, and I made a point here th- that night that there were a lot of betting sites that had prop bets of how long the match was going to go. Okay, okay. Okay, if you had the over, you had to be screaming at your TV because in, they very easily could have rang the bell and then had Kevin Owens stall. And then at that point, it's an official match. And if you bet the over, you're an easy winner. Yeah. Because at that point, Kevin Owens, what did he stall for? Three, four minutes at least? About that, and yeah. Most of the prop, Which I like. That was a cool little story. Yeah, and the prop bets that I saw were all like 59.5 seconds, either over under a minute. So if you had bet that over, which I did not bet, by the way. I do not bet on that. I didn't bet on that. 
I know a lot of people were like, Joe must have bet on that because he's going nuts about it. I didn't bet on that. You must have been going nuts because they chose instead to ring the bell when he got back into the ring and finally faced off. And then I believe the match went under 60 seconds from there. I went 22 seconds. Yeah, so, so, so I, far under that. <laughs> that. Yeah, but yeah, to answer your question, though, that's how I know they did not ring the bell. During all that stalling, it was not an official match yet. Okay, and I didn't think so, but then I thought I was wondering if they retroactively did it because I saw some people being like, "What did they ring the bell?" Did they ring the bell? So yeah, again, and, and we'll get to that in a bit because that's a point that a lot of people brought up is the time of the match or whatever. So again, I don't have an issue with Goldberg defeating Kevin Owens, whatever. If that's what they want to do, if that's the story they want to tell of Goldberg Lesnar for the title, whatever, I'll, I'll get over that. But I thought the way that it was booked and the way in which Kevin Owens finally gets in the ring, they ring the bell, and then. The, one of the things I hate more than anything in wrestling, anything in wrestling, is the music of somebody else hits, and the heel just cannot possibly focus on anything else in the world but looking at the ramp to see who's coming out, staring just in, into the abyss, waiting for that person to come out, and then that person coming out and him still not being able to, to focus on anything else. Oh my god, that guy is coming out to the ring. There is someone's music playing, and I must look at the entranceway. As long as possible. Like that, I hate that because we see it time and time and time again. And, and that's one of the issues I had with this finish as well is that it was only a few weeks ago that we saw Seth Rollins, the architect, the, the, you know, the, oh, the architect of the shield, be so stupid when Triple H's music hit that he had to look to the – you remember that? I mean that was only a month or so ago that, oh, that Rollins could not possibly get through a match because Triple H's music hit and he had to look at the ramp. And he, he couldn't focus on anything else. So Owens, Jericho's music hit, and he has to look at the ramp of a shocked face. The, oh my God, I can't believe Chris Jericho's here thing. And some people brought that up, and I'll kind of talk about that as well. Is people brought up, well, you know, he thought Jericho was dead and gone. He destroyed Jericho. And he, Jericho was gone for 20 fucking days. Like two weeks in raw time, he was gone. That doesn't, to me, that doesn't construe the, oh my God, I can't believe this guy is here thing. If you want to have a guy off TV for two years or whatever, a guy return, a guy make his debut or whatever, and his music hits, then that's the shock of the, oh my God, I cannot believe this guy's here. If Kurt Angle's music hit, I, I get Owens being like, huh, really? Okay. Like, Kurt Angle's coming out. Chris Jericho's gone for 20 fucking days. That's not that big of a deal. And for Owens to be so hyper-focused on the match and beating Goldberg and, and proving all this, that he couldn't possibly turn away for a second when Jericho's music hits. That he knows Jericho's got to get all the way down the ramp or whatever. That he can't turn his back on on Goldberg. That that he he just can't, he he's got to focus. He's got to look at that ramp. He's so distracted. He's he's a WWE heel, so he's got to be the biggest fucking idiot in the world who can't possibly have two thoughts at once. He's got to only be focused on one thing, and and the thing he has to be focused on is is this guy's music playing at the ramp. So I have to look at the ramp. I, I hate that. It's just so stupid and it's lazy. And 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 people don't do that. A, a competitor would not do that. Somebody in a sport wouldn't do that. They would they would focus on their match and, and maybe you know they'd be maybe confused or a little you know distracted or whatever. But this whole like a gasp like my mouth is open, what is going on thing? I just hate that. I it, it, it completely disgusts. And and some people said well the bell rang during the music we hit so that he got confused. Again, he's not a fucking idiot. Nah, I don't look, like that. This is an old WWE trope that they've been doing for like a decade right. Or they more do that now. all the damn time. You don't have to explain it here. We know what it is. Could, it's you stupid. You could be more though. creative. You could have Jericho come out of the crowd and distract them if you want to go that direction. There's a million other things you can do. So right, the music hit. I have to look. I, I just hate it. I, I just like it. Then so so that's how you have Owens look like an idiot in in my mind with that. But then you have Goldberg. Who says, oh, this guy's distracted. Fuck him. Let me hit him with a spear and a jackhammer. Okay, I won. 
how does that really, because people are like, oh, well, you got to build up Goldberg for Brock Lesnar. How does Goldberg backdooring himself into a title win really get him built up for, for Brock Lesnar? Because when it was done, and you could hear the crowd too, the crowd was not very happy about it because that's really not a conquering babyface thing to wait for the heel to get distracted and then hit your moves on him. You know what I mean? Like, that's really not, uh, you yeah, know, they, this guy stalls they, they, for a little protecting bit. protecting Owen and Owen's in that spot, not... Right, but are you protecting him if he's an idiot that's got his mouth wide open looking at the entrance ramp? I understand. I, re- I know where so you're this coming is, from. That was my thought when it was all but done. In, is like, in okay. WWE language, that's protecting... Like, exactly. But I, to me, I don't buy that. I don't right. think it is. Right. Because you listen to that crowd there, that crowd didn't buy that either, that that was going to be... So in their mind, it's okay, we, we can't let Owens lose, so he has to be a fucking moron and just look at the ramp. And in that case, you know, if it, and I mentioned this too, and people are like, well, what's the alternative? If Goldberg just beat him, you know, straight up, I'd probably like that a little bit more than, than if Goldberg beat him by being cheap, because now it's like, well, Goldberg's now a paper champion. Well, the Goldberg's idea, the idea then it. is then how do you get to Kevin Owens versus Chris Jericho? So, like I said, the better alternative would be just have Jericho, like, come out of a crowd and distract him. Or say, Your issue is the music. And the, 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 this, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and then your issue I, is, I just think it's a shitty story. And, and yeah. Goldberg then, you know, not looking as strong as he could look because he's taking advantage of a guy who isn't paying attention. Um, the counter to that of course would be that Goldberg has thoroughly dominated Brock Lesnar twice. And uh, you can say that he's built up enough in terms of that match. Um, that would be the counter. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Um, look, I, 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 I didn't, love what they did but it definitely didn't fire me up or upset me uh part of that could be because i think the kevin owens title run was trash anyway it didn't work um it was uh i mean it just it was a poor title run and that's not on him it's 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 certainly on 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 the booking uh it's exactly what we said it was going to be they turned him into uh, you know, a fake undeserving champion, um, which is exactly, you know, which is what they do every time with their heel champions now, uh, at least on Raw. Uh, we knew it was going to play out that way, and it did, and, and it was a lousy title run. So it doesn't really bother me that he lost it in that manner. It's not like this ended some sort of classic, you know, tremendous title run that, that, that you know, was historical in any way. Or Right, and people construe that, that you being upset by this finish or me being upset by the finish or whatever is that this was, like, uh, ruining some great thing that Kevin Owens is doing. I don't care. Kevin Owens' title, title run wasn't doing was anything shit. for me. Yeah. I mean, it was right. shit, and I thought, you know, but, but I mean, um, and, and, and I think, and I'm someone who is behind the Goldberg-Lesnar match headlining WrestleMania and being the big draw, because I do think... That's the best match that they have. Uh, Doesn't need the title, though. And I think that's one of the other questions that I had after this is because in my mind, a great story would have been, you know, Goldberg, you know, in the ring and, you know, installing and being kind of an asshole or whatever. Maybe you have a little bit of a match here where, where you can do smoke and mirrors. You can have them kind of shove each other down. Owens continue to stall, stall, stall or whatever. And then Goldberg runs in from the crowd and just fucks up Goldberg. And, and, and Owens pins him then. And whatever. You can get to the Owens-Jericho match, I think. You know what? You know why I don't mind that that – Look, I don't think it needs the title, but you know why? Well, why does he, okay? Go ahead. You know why I don't mind that it, it, it does have the title because at least now the title is the most important thing on the show again. I'll take it. At least the title is involved in the most important and hardest push match on the show. So from that perspective, I'm fine with it. It also means that the title is more than likely going back to Brock Lesnar. I think the best title run they've had in ages was when Lesnar had it what two years ago. And that mm-hmm. great run as a part-timer that I loved. I know a lot of people don't like part-time. I thought he had a great run as a champ. I thought it made the title feel special again. That it, you know, it was only defended on paper. You didn't see the champion on TV. You only saw him. I thought that all that was great. I thought it worked. I don't mind the title going back to Lesnar. And I don't mind the title 
being involved in the most important match at WrestleMania. So from that perspective, that 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 I, I don't think it needs the title, but I'm glad that the title was involved in that match. I'll I'll listen to that, but one of my things is is and people talk, oh the story, you got it, oh you t- the story. What about the story? What about the story? How do you get to Owens? What the what's the story for Brock Lesnar facing Goldberg for the title at WrestleMania? Yeah, that's a good question. How does he earn another opportunity he, to face? Goldberg? So two times he's faced Goldberg and Goldberg's punked him each time. If I'm Goldberg and Lesnar comes out and goes, I want the, I'd go, fuck you. <laughs> no, I beat you, and then I threw you out at the at Royal Rumble. Get the hell out of the here. Pro- no. The, the problem is we're trying to interject logic into a company that only uses logic but, when it's convenient. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. People are like, oh, the story, all oh, the story. Well, give me the fucking story for why Brock Lesnar deserves the title shot. I hear you. If you were so big on a story, because that story doesn't make any sense. What would have made sense to me, and, and again, I, I don't care that Goldberg won this, but I think there was a way to do it where Lesnar could get involved in some way, cost Goldberg the title, something like that, because all you had then is Goldberg backdoor himself into a championship, kind of cheat to win, which the crowd didn't like. And, you know, Owens looked like an idiot because he was so distracted by by Chris Jericho's music. And then Brock Lesnar just comes out and goes, yeah, I want a title shot. And Goldberg, oh, okay, all right, why not? Yeah. You know, what? you know, I got to tell you, this is this all of this and all of these things that you're saying, this is why I get so bored breaking down WWE booking and why we don't spend a ton of time. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm serious. This is why we don't spend a ton of time on on breaking down this company's booking and why I find breaking down this company's booking boring as compared to a company like New Japan or whatever wherever else, Dragon Gate, uh, Evolve, whoever, um, because they they just they they only apply logic when it's convenient you're wasting your time breaking yeah. down booking in this company it it is it is the same as wasting your time breaking down their hall of fame selections when there's no rhyme or reason or structure or pattern to something there is no point breaking it down and analyzing it there really is no point analyzing look we kind of have to do it if we're going to do this show and you know you, but to sit here and break down big picture WWE booking at some point I just lose interest and throw my hands because you're breaking down something that's complete it, it's like you know what I don't know if it was last week or the week before we talked about how roulette is 100% a game of chance and it's impossible to have a strategy that's ever going to change your odds therefore it's 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 a waste of time to break down spins on a roulette table or try to apply. It's the same here. I feel like WWE booking is like a roulette table. There's no point even breaking this stuff down half the time because there is no logic or rules that can be applied. It's just whatever the fuck they feel like doing in that moment. So it's tricky, you know, and now that pay-per-view is out of the picture and you can't even analyze this stuff from a business perspective because we have no idea what's helping them draw or not draw other than the house shows. What is there really to the You know what you end up doing, Rich? You end up smacking your face against the wall like you're doing over this match and trying to apply logic to these things that just simply do not have any logic. There's no logical explanation for Lesnar. Lesnar has been decimated by this man at every turn. So, I, you know, I agree. I mean, so, yeah, you're right. These people who are screaming about the story, I don't know what they're talking about. I mean, there's no logic to apply here. I, I don't know. I, you know it, but, but this whole deal... Definitely didn't annoy me at the extent that it annoyed you. I, you know. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, I'm not, like, so upset about it. It's just annoying. It's just, like, these little things that they just don't really get anymore. Hey, and they don't. Some, uh, that's what this company does to us if you don't keep it at arm's length. Yeah. The arm's exactly. length rule. Sometimes I fall for it. This time you fell for it. You, you, you got wrapped up in it. And, and, and we're both guilty of it sometimes. And then all it does is annoy us. This company really needs to just be kept at arm's length. You just got to. Turn on your little WWE network, hope for the best in terms of the matches, and hope for the best in terms that, that the bad stuff is just as 
yeah. least offensive as, as he. What what is going to be interesting too, and a reason why you, you know I heard a bunch of people go, well, he's got to beat Kevin Owens in, in shorter time than he beat Brock Lesnar because then it won't make sense of why Brock uh, Lesnar. Come okay, on, but, you think they're thinking yeah. about this? Can you give me a they break? don't fucking yeah, they don't give a shit about that. But uh, what, what my reasoning behind saying no, I don't, I don't. 100% agree with that is because you're talking about a WrestleMania match here. And I know that, again, it's, it's about the moments instead of the matches, Joe. I know, I know that. But um, in case you didn't know, it, it is. But um, Goldberg's going to get booed at WrestleMania now. And that, the big reason why he's going to do that is because to a lot of people, he's this guy that's come in. And again, people are saying, oh, well, not a casual fan. WrestleMania is not a casual fan attended event. And that's why I always bring up, like, people are like, oh, the casuals, the casuals, the casuals. Listen to those fucking crowds. Those are the hardcore, the hardcores that decide to fly across the country to go or to WrestleMania world, or whatever. The yeah, the world. Yeah, I should say. But um, Goldberg now, it, it, to a lot of people, I'm sure, appears as a guy that just hasn't really done anything. And 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 more and more people care about guys that that seem like they're putting in effort, that seem like they're, they're trying. They know the background of these people. They know, like... So a lot of people, I think, are going to see Goldberg in this main event here and say, well, this guy is just, you know, he can't work under 30 seconds. Now we've become such a trope with these short matches that people now understand what, what's going on here. And it's like, well, this guy can't do a minute match because he sucks. And that's a big part of it. And I think that's going to really affect him in this because Lesnar, people are going to be all aboard Lesnar, I think, with this match and wanting Goldberg to lose. Because I, in my mind, I don't know if that's going to be, we'll see how it plays out. But I could see them, you know, for a while there, they had Goldberg as a guy that people were really into, really liked. And I thought if he had a competitive match here and, and, and beat Owens after proving, hey, look, I can still go. I can have a match that's pretty decent here. I think you would get a little bit more people that would be behind him more so than now. I think people just see him as this guy that that's a sideshow act that can't work for more than a few minutes or even uh, fucking, he can't even work for a minute in a match. And, and and I wonder if that will negatively affect him when, when mania season comes around. Cause we saw it already a little bit with Chicago and Milwaukee. They yeah, kind of are like eh. a smattering of booze, smattering of booze. Um, I, I, I don't know if I'm with you that he's going to get booed wholesale there. I think you'll get a split crowd though, for sure. And um, I think that's fine. If you get a split crowd, that's hot. I don't really think it matters which guy they're rooting for. Um, this I do want to remember that though, because I, I I feel like he's going to get booed out of the building. But we'll, we'll uh, yeah, out. I mean, I, I'm not sure if I get on board. I don't know. I don't have a decent enough feel for that. We'll see as they they we continue down the stretch to building towards the show. If if crowds are negative towards him or not, or if we see that simmering, um, we do know one thing. This company is horrendous at controlling the emotions of crowds. They have no clue what they're doing anymore. They have no feel for it. Um, most of the time, the crowd reacts the complete opposite way that the company wants them to react. So. Um, so who knows? I, I, if you're asking me today on, on March 8th, I, I think it'll be a hot crowd that's split. I think they'll be into the match and I think they'll be split, but, um, Bailey and Rick, uh, Bailey and Sh- I almost said Rick flair, barely, uh, <laughs> defeats Charlotte flair ending her undefeated pay-per-view streak. She, oh, she wins the title on raw. She ends the, uh, actually no. Yeah. And ends her undefeated streak uh, mm-hmm. in this match here. Another match that you went completely ape. <laughs> Uh, with the booking. My biggest problem here is, and, and this goes back to our WrestleMania discussion that we had earlier. Not only rich is WrestleMania about the moments. Now I'm not sure if that's been made clear to you on, uh, on, on Twitter over the last 24 hours, but did you know WrestleMania is about the moments? Rich? I've heard, I've heard. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but WrestleMania is also about, um, it, it's also no longer a show that pays off on the booking either. When you really look at it, I mean, in some ways, because you know, if this were 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, 
you know, Bailey versus Charlotte Flair would be the WrestleMania match. Charlotte would still be undefeated and she'd still be the champion and Bailey would be beating her for the title and ending her streak at WrestleMania it would be a natural ending to the feud, which they've built up for months and months. Instead, they're going to do the four way match because WrestleMania is now more about paying off these wrestlers and giving them their moment and making sure everyone gets on the card and, and those sorts of things more so than paying off their storylines because they do feel like they're presenting this card in their minds to people. And there are plenty of people who this is the only show they're going to watch all year and all those things. That is true. Uh, so it's no longer a show that pays off that. This is why the AJ style Cena match is happened at Royal Rumble and is not happening at WrestleMania, which again, 20 years ago, that's a wrestle. That's their WrestleMania match. It's John Cena right. finally beating AJ Styles happens at WrestleMania. I mean, you can see it a mile away. It's not like that anymore. Now they're going to do the thing where, you know, each guy teams with their wife. And I mean, because that's that's what WrestleMania is now. Of course, we didn't understand that until 24 hours ago, but we understand that now. But this is a good example. I mean, they really rushed through the Bailey Charlotte Flair stuff, and I really think it's hurt the story. And I know right where you're going to go with this. You're going to go to where Bailey ends up looking like a goof. Uh, now, look, this is going to play out in such a way where Bailey realizes that, and then Sasha Banks will probably work that four way as a heel uh, or your turn heel at some point. But um, but yeah, go ahead and, and, and talk through why you think Bailey comes off looking like an absolute goof in this entire situation. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of it was if I didn't watch the Raw talk afterwards, I might have not <laughs> been as, as, as mad as I was because it was interesting. If, if you cut the Raw talk off and you just go to what happened on, on Raw, you would say, okay, not a bad story. But if you watch that Raw talk, it was so bad. So essentially in this match, again. Well, I mean, these, girl, the, these girls are all, I mean. Bailey and, and Sasha Banks just should never fucking have a micro. They're so bad. I know it. Well, in, in this case, they didn't get it. They don't know what the hell the story is, which I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily would have blamed them or whatever for that. And, but I, I would think something would ding in your head and go, oh, geez, how am I supposed to react to this? Yeah. Because what happened was is in this match, you have, you know, Charlotte the heel. <laughs> Mind you, Charlotte is a heel. Remember, uh, she is told by, you know, to, to keep her little lackey backstage. So Charlotte the heel lets her back lackey stay backstage. Bailey then comes out and Bailey's lackey, who in this case, Shasta Banks comes out and helps Bailey win. And Bailey then, you know, in, in a sense, you want to say, okay, well, she wasn't aware of it. She didn't know or whatever. That's fine. You want to do that. That's okay. But she's celebrating with, Sa I mean, yeah, when Sasha Banks is ringside and she sees her and that she's hugging her after the match or whatever, that kind of kills the story right there. So you have a two on one baby face advantage over the heel and the baby face then, you, you know, uses the heel or uses, you know, her lackey to help beat the heel or whatever. That's, that's not a, I mean, if I was, if, if you're booking how actually wrestling is supposed to be booked, then Bailey and Sasha Banks would have been doing a heel turn here and Charlotte would look like, you know, the, the baby face that got screwed over. We talked about this, you know, weeks ago with the, the Dolph Ziggler thing, but then what you have is, is a situation where Bailey doesn't kind of look at Sasha and go, okay, hey, what the hell? Like, why did you, I didn't need your help. Like, I could have done this on my own. Then you get to the Raw talk and those two sit down and they're hugging and they're smiling and they're shaking hands and they're crying about how much they love each other. They show Bailey, Sasha Banks interfering and Bailey goes, oh man, I was so glad to have your help. And like, and I'm looking at it going, what are we doing here? What Bailey should have done is looked at Sasha and said, I don't know why you came out and help. I didn't need your help. I mean, appreciate your friendship. But I don't need this right now. I got this. I, I know what I'm doing. And then Sasha kind of does the, you, you know, it's similar to how the Mickey James Trish status thing was a few years ago. I don't know if you remember that story where Mickey kept helping Trish and Trish was like, hey, no, yeah, I don't need your yeah, help. Like, yeah. stop. Like, back off a little. And Sasha then sort of gets like, oh, geez, I'm just trying to help you. I thought we were friends or whatever. And Bailey can go, we are friends. But, you know, just just I got this. You know, I, I'm 
Because that's what a babyface should do is say, I don't I don't need your help. I don't want your help. What are the odds? I got what it. are the odds that like that feud fifteen years ago or whatever, we get a WrestleMania moment rich where there's a lewd act in the four way women's match. <laughs> where Bailey licks her hand after yeah, I don't uh, if, yeah, Sasha Banks licks her hand after reaching down, yeah, I don't after I don't think reaching down but... Nia Jax's crotch. <laughs> No, Nia Jax isn't in the match, which is another she will be thing altogether. Right? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> there's going to be at least three people in that match. Is the point? Uh, there's three, but Nia dominates the division for a few months. Eh, fuck you. Get out of here. Go away. Like I, I don't even. But so again, like that to me, that story was whole totally broken. Unless you wanted to have Bailey and Sasha Banks be the heels, and then in that case, the story was fucking great. The story was great. The story was awesome. Best heels in the business. I think because then these assholes got on Raw Talk and were just smiling and yeah. happy and crying and and completely oblivious to the fact that they screwed over Charlotte. Well, pro- but that was never at all a part of yeah, it. Yeah. Well, the problem here is twice on this show in back to back matches, you have like the wrong kind of psychology to where Charlotte's the heel and she's getting screwed like a heel would get screwed. Uh, Kevin Owens is the heel. And he's getting screwed like a baby. I, I meant to say like a baby. Yeah, baby face. Yeah. Same thing with Kevin Owens. So you have Goldberg and Bailey looking like baby. They're baby faces taking advantage of what normally are heel shenanigans. If you do that sort of story once in a blue moon, twice a year, it works because then people get the point and laugh at the heel and tell and say that they got a taste of their own medicine, right? Because Charlotte's had uh, uh, Dana Brooke interfering in her matches and all that, and Kevin Owens has been you know, retaining the title in sleazy fashion. You could say, you know what? This worked. This guy, you know, this guy got a taste of his own medicine. Everybody pops and goes home happy. The problem is, Rich, how often do they do this sort of thing with the, with the reverse, uh, with the mixed up uh, psychology? I mean, they did it back to back in two matches right here. And yeah, in the last pay-per-view, they did it with Dolph Ziggler. And, exactly. And the, and the crowd erupted for Dolph. <laughs> Yay! Because here, yeah. Beat those assholes. Yeah. Beat them with a the chair. Right. And, it, and it's like, it, 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 it's and and this is why they have so much trouble controlling the emotions of the crowd these days. I mean, Roman Reigns gets booed because a lot of people think he's a fucking dick. You know, it, it's like they overdo it with this stuff, and I think that's another example here. And by the way, the match wasn't even any good. I mean, and maybe that's because they knew it was going to have a screwy finish, and they didn't go out there with the, the same. Because these these four horsewomen, they go out there with the full intention of having the match in the night and they always work hard. And this match just wasn't good. I mean, they were not on the same page. Uh, it just, it just wasn't compelling in any way, shape or form. And then it had the garbage finish. It was just a bad match. Um, Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman had a match rich that I, you know, what's interesting about this is I think, um, a lot of people kind of show their hand when it comes to Roman Reigns and Strowman. And this was sort of like the perfect storm because they were facing each other. Um, I think this match was wildly overrated by a lot of people. And I think the match was wildly underrated by a lot of other people. It's like no one can be fair about Roman Reigns. We've known that for a long time. And people are now having are struggling being fair with Braun Strowman because there's so many ardent Braun Strowman supporters that they're starting to get under people's right. skin because they're kind of just talking the guy up a little too. Well. Like, we get it. He's pretty good. But uh, it's a bit overwrought. And then the other side, people want to counter that. This was a re- this was a good match, a really good match. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It a wasn't lot. a great match, and you can't. And it wasn't a bad match. People were saying, "Ah, oh, just an average." Like, no, it was a good match. It's like there's, it's just the opposite ends of the spectrum here. It wasn't a match of the year contender. It wasn't uh, some kind of a phenomenal uh, match, and I'm gonna remember for the rest of my life, or is gonna make my match of the year list or anything like that. But it was a good match, and I thought Braun had a really good showing. Uh, Roman was fine too, but I thought Braun was uh, clearly the star of the match. Uh, as far as the finish, a lot of people are upset that Braun lost. 
Uh, the counter argument to that is that Roman Reigns has to, had to win because he's the one facing the Undertaker. Um, and I know what your answer is going to be, Rich. Then why book the match? <laughs> right. You book this stuff. You can keep Braun hot by simply You're not never, ever have to be in a corner. UFC gets booked into corners. UFC has no choice sometimes. You have a choice. You didn't have to book the match. For wrestling. But this was a classic booked in a corner. You had to beat someone here. So do you beat the guy who's facing The Undertaker? Or do you beat the guy who is picking up steam and getting hot and is looking good in the ring, better and better every time, and who fans are getting behind and looks like he could be a player? They booked themselves into a corner, and uh, they had Reigns beat Strowman. And obviously, that you know, it, it, to me... If you're going to book the match, you know, I, I I suppose Roman had to win, right? I mean, how do you, you, you can't send him into that Undertaker match on a loss, right? No, no, he has to win. Yeah. And that's, then I just wouldn't book him against Braun Strowman because you don't have to. So here's so. what they're going to do with Strowman, who they've been heating up. Yeah. He's going to lose to Roman Reigns and then he's going to be in a battle royal at WrestleMania. Now, which he'll probably win. Yeah, of course. I mean, he's going to win. Yeah. But it's the fucking battle royal. Um, I mean, you know, to me, you got to give him something more important to do than that. And look, he's going to go in there. He's going to throw out 18 of the 20 guys. I get it. Okay. I mean, that's obviously, but I mean, and, and it might come off, you know, isn't this a guy you'd kind of want? I mean, obviously he's viewed as a key part of their future. Wouldn't you want him in something a little more vital than that? I, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. And then, and then I probably wouldn't have booked this singles match. Cause I w- probably wouldn't have wanted to beat either one of these guys. You're forgetting the all-time great moment of Braun Strowman holding up that illustrious Andre the Giant. Battle Royal oh, trophy. how could I forget? I mean, that's a great moment of all time. I mean, we'll, we'll, it'll be on montages and and promos for for the rest of history as him holding up that illustrious you know, trophy be, above his head. It's gonna be so. a moment, Rich. <laughs> right, it's which about is what WrestleMania moments. is about. All about the moments. Uh yeah. So, but yeah, very good match. Um, either that or the or the Neville Jack Gallagher match were the best match on the show, in my view. I'd probably go with the Neville Jack Gallagher match. Uh, I do think these Strowman matches are a little overrated from the perspective of I think it's because he's improved and he's better than people has, has sort of have expected him to be at this point in his career. So we're kind of all a little surprised at how good he is. So I think that's why people go a little bit overboard with the Braun stuff. He had a good match against Big Show. He had a good match against Mark Henry. They weren't great matches. They were good matches. And that's fine. You know, it, it's it, – relax the guy's got plenty of time um he certainly has shown some potential uh he has there were some spots in this match that were super impressive uh but let's pump the brakes a little on braun you know he's he's doing some good things and i will say this too they've been very smart with braun Strowman from this perspective the two most important matches that he's ever had in this company were big show on raw and this match against roman reigns what did they do rich before both of those matches they put him on the road with both of those guys for like a month yeah, so it worked with them, you know. Yeah, to make sure that the you know they worked out their key spots, they were familiar with each other because it's very important to them that Braun doesn't look bad. They put him on the road with both of his key opponents for a month straight and made sure that everything was worked out for these two very important matches. And I think that's smart, and I think that's a good idea. And uh, you know they should do that kind of stuff more often. I think uh, you know guys like Baron Corbin or whoever else uh, that, that that they think they have a future with should be on the road working with these veteran guys. Uh, we had Neville and Jack Gallagher cruiserweight match. This was I tell you, if not for a super boring first half, this would have been um, I I would venture to say a great match. Uh, as it was, it was a very good match. Um, uh, I, I will say this. Jack Gallagher, who has never particularly impressed me, impressed the shit out of me here. This is the best Jack Gallagher 
Yeah. Okay. I was glad. I was glad. I was wondering if you were still going to hate this one too, because I thought he was awesome. He was great in this match. I thought, I thought his selling he, was great. I thought. Yeah, he was bumping around like a fucking maniac. I was like, "What are you do? like?" This was not. I didn't think he had this in him. Uh, I, I'll be honest. Like he was all over the place. I thought his guy, guy was going to die during this match too, because he's just going all over the place. And he, he really then sold the story great of yes. of Neville being that strong guy of this cruiserweight division, the guy that's just a little bit better than everybody else in this division. And Gallagher put that way over because he's bouncing around and flipping around and and taking these crazy bumps or whatever which is it was awesome i was so glad to see that yeah um i'm not the, i'm not the biggest jack gallagher fan everybody knows that i wouldn't have known i <laughs> I, I had people um I, I asked people to suggest matches i gave it every chance i watched nearly every match that people suggested and didn't come away impressed at all with the guy uh i still thought he was very unimpressive just not my cup of tea i think the things that he was good at in those matches are not things that i value in wrestling or give a shit about in wrestling i thought he was great here his selling was great I thought the pacing in this match was great um, once they got past the first eh, five to eight minutes or so where there, there really wasn't much of anything happening. Um, beyond that, I thought, uh, you know, in terms of placing the high spots where they placed them, facing the the hope spots where they placed them, uh, the near falls, those sorts of things, everything was well done. Uh, I got to give Neville credit to um, the headbutt, the headbutt spots with Gallagher. I mean, those are just, you know, that. He always does a great job with that. It always looks good. It's always done just at the right time. I was very impressed with Gallagher here. Um, if, 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 I, if, if this is the Gallagher that we get, I'm all on board with him. I don't care about the guy dancing around with an umbrella, uh, being goofy, uh, you know, tying guys up into ball knots. I have no use for that. I really don't. Uh, you can say I don't like fun, whatever the case. Look, I don't want, look, it doesn't work. I don't like it. But if he's going to wrestle in tents like this and have these kinds of matches, I'm all in on the guy. Yeah, you said it all there. And I, Neville, again, I don't think we really have to say much about it. Great champion. I think he's so good. And, and I'll tell you what, 205 Live quickly is so much better now. Isn't it crazy, Rich? <laughs> it's so strange. Isn't it how... the strangest thing that when you actually focus on the most talented people on your roster, that things all of a sudden improve? You put Neville on this show. You finally get Tazawa in the mix. You, 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 Austin Aries, who's, who's the most over cruiserweight. Austin Aries, Rich. He's wrestling right now, I think, as, as, as we're speaking right now on, on 205 If Live. this fucking guy, okay, if he was four inches taller, he'd be one of the biggest stars. in the. I've been saying it. I've said it forever. I stand by it. If he was four inches taller, he'd be one of the biggest stars in the business today, in this company. He has it all. I watched him wrestle on 205. First of all, who knew this guy was the best commentator in the business? Okay, he's a tremendous promo. His facial expressions, the way that he... <laughs> I almost want him to retire in the ring. I feel horrible, but I'm like, man, I really wish you just stop. Well, here's the thing: like, here's why... one part of me wants him to wrestle, but the other part is like, oh man, you'd be awesome on commentary. Yeah, but, like... but here's why I don't: the way he carries himself, the way he he's able to get himself over, the way his promos are incredible. And then last night, Rich, because I had the same thought as you, like, geez, maybe this is this guy's calling. Last night he wrestles on 205 Live. Yeah, against nice. Tony Nice, and I'm sitting there watching, and I got my friend over, and we're watching. I turned to my friend, and I said, "205 Live is loaded with some great workers. You got Neville, you got Akira Tozawa, you got Drew Gulak, you got all these guys. Uh, it's look, there's no one, you know, aside from Arya Davari and like your lower level guys. There's some great workers on that show. Despite that, Austin Aries wrestled that match against Tony Nice last night, and he is just a level above." Everybody on that show, in everything he does, his execution, uh, how crisp everything is, uh, just the way he hits the ropes, the way he bumps, just the way he carries himself. The guy just is a star, and he's great in the ring. And and it's just, 
it's just a shame that he's like five foot five. And that also, he's an asshole. Uh, he's done a lot of that to himself. He has a very bad reputation behind the scenes. But listen, Rich, does any of that shit matter if you're a fucking star? I mean, how- no, if you're great, if you're great, you'll, you'll, you'll that's be fine. why when yeah. people bring that up to me, I'm like, none of that, that doesn't fucking matter. If the guy, would- if you're six foot exactly. four, it doesn't matter if you're an asshole. <laughs> exactly. And it, 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 that's exactly it. His one issue, his one barrier has always been his height. I mean, this guy is just so good at everything. And, you know, and, and getting back to the original point, it's just funny how finally you use your most talented people. Aries comes back from the eye injury. Neville's in the mix. Tazawa's in the mix. All of a sudden now you have a lot less Aria Davari, a lot less uh, Jack Gallagher flying around with umbrellas, a lot less, uh, you know, whoever, uh, the, the, the fucking Bollywood one and two. Yeah, Brian Kendrick being the focal point Brian of the Kendrick, entire division. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And, 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 and that too. Brian Kendrick finally being in a role where he's entertaining and useful as opposed he's he should have never never been the centerpiece of that show it's a bad role for him he should be the veteran guy underneath putting over the younger more talented and now look he's not he's been around forever i know i understand he's not a million years old but this should be his role to get Tazawa over this is the role he belongs in it's just it's just it's it's i actually watched the opener you know me uh, shock of all shocks i watched that uh the, the pre-show match that was a really good match as well that was my maybe my second favorite match of the entire night and, and i love that opener. and you're and look or pre-show i should and say. like you always say cream rise to the top all of these guys are over unlike when they rolled this division out and nobody was over these are talented guys austin aries knows how to get over akira tozawa knows how to get over okay neville is over just it's not brain surgery here. It's not sending rockets to the moon. You put your most talented people in the right places and good things start to happen. You'll fuck around with Arya Davari versus Jack Gallagher every week. It doesn't work. All right, so then we had Big Show versus Okay, this whole segment. Let's we're going <laughs> just, backwards here. Can we just light this? I don't, I have really no Let's go back. Just light it Let's all on. Let's do fire. it this way cuz yeah. I think a better way to do this is now go to the beginning of the show. Okay. okay. Because we had the uh, – did you watch – okay, I asked you every time. I just said. I just did. So did I just watch did. The, and I right. enjoyed it because I, I saw what it was going to be, and I said, oh, I better watch this. Swan Tazawa beat the Brian Kendrick, and no- Noam Dar's another one. I mean, can can we finally get him out of here now too? But uh, but but listen, if he's just going to do jobs, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, and I don't fine. have a problem with it. You know what I mean? But, okay, so and, – and let's get Cedric Alexander back out there because that's a guy who was over in the beginning, and then they fucking ruined him with the Alicia Fox shit. All right, so you watch the tag. This Alicia was a good tag. This was arguably the best match on the show uh, in a lot of people's eyes until we get to that death segment we're going to talk about. I disagree because there was one other match that I really liked a lot. But this was a really good opener, and I think this uh, continued what we were just talking about, the momentum that the 205 division had. Yeah, and, and, and Swan and Tazawa are dynamic too, and that's the thing that this division was – we were struggling and screaming of like just make this division dynamic, make it fun, make it interesting. And people were saying, well, they do flips in the main event. Da, da, da. No, these guys – and you saw Swan go out there and do his crazy stuff or whatever. I was watching with the nurse, and she went, oh, my God, that guy's awesome. And I said, yeah, Swan's great. Like, and, and she came away with it, you know, never seen these guys before and going, oh, my God, I really – those guys are really cool. I like those guys. And I said, yeah, they're, they're fun, they're charismatic, and they're dynamic in the ring. They do things that make the crowd go nuts. They do things that make – you know, the viewer at home go nuts and go, oh, my God. And, that, and that's all this division ever needed to be. And it's it's amazing that it took six months for someone to realize, hey, good guys that are charismatic and, and can do some fun things in the ring are, are the guys we should push to the top. So 
finally we went there and we got there. So no, I, I loved it. I thought and, it was a great opener. And up and down the 205 roster, guys are being utilized better. We talked about uh, Brian Kendrick being in a much better spot on the card for what he brings to the table. Uh, you, you also have um, you know, guys like uh, Drew Gulak now is basically a jobber to the stars on the show, which is perfect for him because he's not the most charismatic guy. He he completely bombed when they asked him to cut promos, but he's a really, really solid fucking worker, and he makes his opponents look really good. So now you have him in the proper role. You have Davari severely downgraded to the point where he's not on every – He there's a point where he was on every single show. He's not on every single show now, uh, and when he is on, he's doing jobs. You know, Noam Dar – he can't really keep up in the ring with these guys, so he's sort of been, you know, this comedy guy, but he's losing his... It's the right people in the right places, and that's so important. Except Graham Metallic, who I don't who know. Who blew a spot, and they decided he didn't put on TV anymore. <laughs> I mean, could you have worse luck than that? It's really yeah, ridiculous. The guy's, it's the Christmas worker in the world who blows one spot. Ah, I've never <laughs> seen that guy blow a spot in his life. Have you ever seen him blow a spot? Not really, no. Maybe one or two times, but and, very, very rarely. The first yeah. time he goes for a springboard move, he slips on the ropes. <laughs> and look, I don't know if that's the reason that he's back in mothballs. I really don't, because you never know a 205 Live, because the Bollywood, Bollywood 1 and 2 were in the very first match and have never been seen again. So I, I, it's just sometimes guys just disappear for long stretches. But if that's the reason, that's a really poor reason, because the rest of the match was fine. And, you know, they've got to know that he's better. I mean, come on. He had great matches in the Cruiserweight Classic. It's just it's very frustrating because he's another guy who should be who should be uh, featured every week and, and doing dynamic things. And, right. and he, I, other than him, other than him, everyone's been been pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, you don't necessarily have to push a guy like that to the moon, but he's definitely should be on TV every week. Having yeah, have him come out, do some some grand metallic shit. And then that's it. Yeah. Samoa Joe, Sammy Zayn opened up. I loved this match, and I okay, said, cool. I did too. I, I was God kind of damn nobody it, else I did. I thought I yeah, was sorry. on an island here. No, I like this one. I thought it was awesome. Well, I thought we were gonna have a nice little go back, back and forth. Uh, sorry, we're the only ones. I keep I, that's yeah. So I thought you were on the other side, or at least somebody else. Because I was kind of surprised, and everyone was like, "Ah, that sucked." And I, I was like, "I fucking loved that I match." I thought Samoa like, Joe came out of this match looking like a bona fide top player. I I I could. I can't go on enough about how great I thought he came off. I... The booking of Samoa Joe so far in WWE, A+. They've done everything right with him. And I, I, I'm stunned that, that, that it's been as good as it's been for Samoa I Joe. I can't completely disagree. I don't like how, like, the Roman Reigns thing was kind of, was really cheap. But I understand they're going to protect Roman at all costs. I get it. So you can't really complain about it, especially with the Undertaker match coming up. But, yes, I think redeeming, look. By beating Sami Zayn clean in the middle and coming off looking strong as fuck, I'm 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 right with you now, and I agree. And that's exactly what they needed out of this. Um, there was no, it's just clean as a sheet in the middle. Yeah, well, one thing I liked about this match too, and I saw people complain, oh, Sami Zayn looked like a complete job or whatever. I don't necessarily agree. I think that Zayn looked okay. It just showed you again. We talk about these these tiers that Samoa Joe's just a tier above Sami yes. Zayn. That that Zayn was able to throw everything at him for a little bit. And Joe was maybe a little caught off guard. But then when Joe said, all right, enough of this shit, he's locked him in that submission and it was over. And I have and no problem with that. That's fine. That Sami Zayn is a tier below Samoa Joe. That's okay. I like Sami Zayn. I love Sami Zayn. He's one of my favorite workers in the world. But I think that's a, a okay. If, if he's a tier below Samoa Joe, that's fine. That doesn't mean then that Sami Zayn's dead and gone and buried and, and forget him and, and whatever. It's just Samoa Joe. They're trying to build him up a little bit. And, and somebody has to be built up in a match. That's, I, I, someone has I to prefer this. It's like, right. I prefer this over the everybody has to be protected. Nobody can look bad thing that they try to do in the main event where everybody ends up looking bad. Right. And this was we needed one guy to get over. We got Samoa Joe over. 
and Sami Zayn, I don't think, lost anything because it's not like Samoa Joe went in there in two seconds, put him in the Coquina clutch, and that was it. Zayn had nine minutes to kind of do his thing, and and Joe then eventually said, ah, you know, to hell with this. You're done. I played around a little bit. Now I got to get serious. Okay, I tapped you out. You're gone. Bye. The best way, That's fine. The best way to get someone over is to put them over people that the fans respect. I had no problem with this. Right. And, yeah. and, 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 and then Zayn the next night lost clean to Kevin Owens, which again I thought was great because it redeemed Owens to an extent. It showed Owens had some focus and was serious. But, Joe, I thought they had their last ever match um, six months ago. Remember that? Well, you know, that's the complete opposite where you go nowhere with something when you should have went somewhere. <laughs> but in this case, I have no problem with Sami Zayn losing both of these matches clean. I think it's important that the – look, there was nothing more – both of these situations, Samoa Joe, if he won another match in the same fashion that he won the Roman Reigns match or whatever, why would you take him as a credible threat? He's just another goofball heel who shouldn't be taken seriously, who needs to use shenanigans to win. He showed that he's a dominant force who can beat a guy who's respected on the roster. Kevin Owens, same thing. He loses the title. The best way to sort of build him back up is to give him a nice clean win in the middle over one of his uh, you know, top rivals. I had no problem with that. And it doesn't bury or kill Sami Zayn because, Rich, if you want to flip the switch on Sami Zayn, you just do the same thing with him at some point. You have him beat somebody clean in the – this isn't impr- – again – we try to make wrestling so complicated, okay? How do you push people? They beat other people clean in the middle, decisively. That's it. It's very easy, okay? So this isn't Zane's time. This is Samoa Joe's time, and that's fine. So I had no problem with it, and I thought the match uh, worked out perfectly. I thought Joe looked like an absolute uh, main event star. And he looked like a guy destined for the main event, and he hasn't always looked like that in this company. He always looks like that in his promos. He always he's looked like that in some of his matches, but some of his matches he hasn't looked like a guy who could hang in. A, he looked like a, a a guy who they should be skyrocketing to the main events in, in this one. I thought Zane was perfect in his role. Yeah. Uh, the tag team title match: Gallows and Anderson versus Enzo and Big Cass. Um, this was a match I seemed to like more than a lot of people did too. Yeah. I, well, damn it, I liked it too. So I guess I thought. Look, I thought this was a really good Enzo Amore performance. I think he's always going to be the guy who. Uh, He's like a, uh, what do you want to call him? Like a Guido Ricky Morton, okay? He does the Ricky Morton babyface and peril stuff. But this time he was just a level above. I love the spot where Carl Anderson literally kicked him out of the air when he was diving. Oh, how cool was that? Um, You know, this was a simple structured match. And I thought it was, uh, uh, look, I I think it was some kind of four-star match. No, but I thought it was a solid three, three and a quarter star match. And to me, I thought the show after the dark match and these two bouts was off to a real good start. Yeah, I I was actually on Twitter and people, and I think I even put this. I said, geez, we should have previewed the show as a sleeper great show or whatever. Oh my, and people going, oh yeah, I agree. Yeah, this is really good. And oh, you should have previewed it. Oh man, and, and we really dogged it, and, and we looked like idiots. And then, yeah. So now <laughs> this the little the portion happened. of the show is an absolute disaster. We have Sasha Banks, Nia Jax, which I listen. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, Going to sound very similar to the Samoa Joe conversation we just had. I love that they were pushing Nia Jax, and she was just beating people, beating people up, beating them in the ring, uh, defeating people. And now she, this match here to me was awful because. Yeah, she dominates Sasha Banks, and then Sasha Banks gets, uh, you know, whatever you want. You want to call it a banana peel win. You want to call it a win where you don't look good. Uh, just look, it's it's because you know they're building this four way thing or whatever. Um, 
you know, I, you know, it's, I, I'm just not into this. I think if you're going to push somebody, you push them. This is the 50, yeah, 50 stuff just, you were just talking about. Again, yeah, like who, who benefited from this? I mean, Nia Jax looks like an idiot because she got, you know, caught in a, in a moment or whatever, and 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 not necessarily like an idiot, but it, it lessens her impact. I mean, that was a, a star that was destroying the division or whatever, and now you know she that that star sheen is off because she lost the match, and that, that's important. Wins and losses do matter. Uh, when you're trying to build people up, I mean, Nia Jax, look at, look at the past few months and see how wins can really benefit. And Sasha Banks really doesn't look great in winning because it's like, yeah, okay, you held her legs for three seconds, but that was it. Like, the rest of the time you got destroyed. So it, it's one of those things where you try to protect everybody, you try to get everybody over, and then nobody gets over. So New Day came out and gave us a sneak preview of the 19 different oh. segments we're going to get at, at WrestleMania. Oh, if we're gonna, you know what we're going to get at WrestleMania? Moments. We're going to get, get 19 moments. New Day moments, Rich. We're going to get these great moments with the New Day. I'm talking about ice cream. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, what the fuck is this? I mean, these guys are just, I don't know. I mean, it, it, here's the thing. If this was a year ago, I guess a little less, a little, I don't know. Was it a year ago? When were they hot? They were hot for a while there, I guess. About, yeah, last year a little bit. I mean, it's, it's still pretty pretty hot last I don't year, know. No one seems to be responding to this ice cream shit. I mean, it's just bad. Um, I, it's no one. They didn't respond to, you know, in, where was this? Uh, was this Milwaukee. Was Milwaukee? They didn't seem to give a shit. Uh, so that felt like it never ended. Um, you know, I literally got up to take a shit during this segment, and I took a really long shit and fucked around on my phone. I did a little Tinder swipe in. I checked out the. Uh, I did my dishes and and I came back and there was still, still I was like, God. about ice cream. Like, and I'm just like, this is not what I want out of my route. Can we just move it along? Little do I know that they should have continued that segment for the next uh, 40 minutes or so because what we got next was an absolute disaster. Uh, it killed the crowd. Uh, to the point that they, they really never didn't recover, recover completely. No. Um, it, it, it's this was just a mess. I mean, this was stalling for time because they knew their main event was going to be a you know ten minute segment from entrances to bell with a nine with a twenty two second match. So what we got was Cesaro versus Jinder Mahal and what I can comfortably call the first bad Cesaro match that I've seen in I don't even know how long. I mean, this, this might, just, be, might be a decade. Yeah, I, I can honestly not going back to the Claudio days. I can't remember many like just absolute clunkers and Cesaro wasn't good I mean it's just as much on him as it is Jinder when they you know my first thought was okay Jinder Mahal is getting a shot on a pay-per-view I bet you he's going to be determined to go out there and and show people something and but I mean you know can you what this couldn't have been a more lifeless uh lack of I mean okay look the guy just isn't very good I get it but you would think that in a big opportunity like this, he would have busted his ass to have the best match possible, and it just wasn't the case. And he was in there with a great worker, so that's not the Yeah, I, I thought Cesaro was, was half-assing it, too, knowing that this sucks and this guy sucks and I hate this. And like, and you rarely get that from him, but I, I, I really kind of felt it in this match. It just felt like he just was going through the motions. Like, okay, whatever. Like... A gender 1,000% just looked like a guy. He, he doesn't look like he belongs on this roster. Um, look, I know he's just a job guy. I understand that. But um, very disappointed that he didn't at least try to grab the bulls by the horns here and do something special. This was just bad. But Rich, what followed to me was just is just gross. <sighs> I, I've stricken this from my memory, so you'll have to uh, recall what happened well, because of my brain. You, you know, and then Rusev gets his singles match, and um, which these were impromptu set up by Mick Foley in the pre-show because uh, Rusev and uh, Jinder have broken up, Rich. They have broken up. They did the breakup angle. What was your favorite memory of the, that team? Favorite match, favorite God, memory. There's... Favorite moments. What was the favorite moment, Joe? You know, there's so many. 
I, I just, you know, I just want, I just want one. I, though. Just I one. struggle coming up with one because there's just so many. I mean, you can't put me on the spot like that. You really got to give me a time to, to spread them out in my mind. I mean, you know, much like low down and some of my other favorite teams of all time, there's just so many great memories that I can come up with and that I just can't narrow it down to one, but uh, it certainly wasn't this big show Rusev match. There's a lot of speculation that Rusev is being punished for being outspoken about Jack Swagger on his Twitter account. Uh, outspoken in the sense that he basically just wished, <laughs> wished his Thank you well. for yeah, – yeah. I mean, which Damn is you. – yeah, uh, you know, but um, it's – it's I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe it's that fresh haircut. Maybe Vincent liked the fresh haircut. This felt like a punishment to me. I mean, you, you got Big Show who's going nowhere fast. Uh, it seems like the Shaq match is off, so you're not really worried about that. Um, he really doesn't have any kind of future. Guys, uh, really old and really big, and uh, really close to being, uh, you know, finished with the company. The match was terrible. I mean, there was nothing good about this. It was just Big Show pummeling Rusev, and then hitting him with that god awful knockout. How bad <laughs> did that punch in the face look? I mean, Togi Maka. Why was he propped in the corner? I don't get why that. Togi Maka made... is mocking that punch. I mean, th- Tiger Mask W is mocking that punch. I mean, we'll talk about that in the main event of the New Japan. That show. was a good punch. This. No, I'm saying that's a good. Oh, I, I see. What I, you're saying. Yeah, but like you know, this. It's like so bad. How bad did that? You can't. Yeah. That was. If that's going to be your finisher, you gotta gotta lay it in there a little bit. That was low level indie show bad. That punch. And then uh, Rusev just gets. Jumped. I'll be honest; it's always been a fucking. I mean, somebody. I think uh, our good friend Chris, of course, Chris Mafu, who does the uh, music of the Matt podcast as well, and, and does the VOW clips. Uh, he found us ranting about that in 2014. I oh, think yeah. 2014, yeah. 2015, about how fucking horrible that knockout. It's punch been is. the worst finisher in wrestling for many years. It, it just from a psychology standpoint of why not? You know, we've been over this. There's no right. setup required. But it just never it, even looks good it either. Never it's looks just... good. It never looks good. Um, and Rusev gets jobbed out, and and it's like Rusev is one of the most talented people on this roster, not just in the ring, but he's a charismatic guy, and he's 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 clever and he's quick. And he's gotten over everything that that company is throwing at him. I mean, go through his history; it's been garbage, and he's gotten everything over. He's been given some of the worst shit to do, and it never hurts him, and he always stays over. and And he's really a guy who should be pushed as the top guy, and it's probably just residual heat from his wife and and i get that but it's like at some point you have to realize that you have a real asset here and i really feel like they're wasting an asset and i don't know if he's being punished for the swagger stuff it's a shame if he is i mean it's just a joke you can't just wish your friend well just because he might be at at odds you know with the company i mean a guy just wants to quit and I, i i i don't know um but this was just very discouraging it wasn't no one cared this was about a 40 to 45 minute stretch of the show that just completely lost the crowd and um, and, and lost me as a viewer. I mean, I, it was a hard to get back into the show after that until the second half of the Neville Gallagher match. Um, but yeah, so just a dreadful stretch. This felt like in its entirety, because what you had, you had a lot of extended squashes too. Joe Overzan, uh, Nia Jax working over Sasha Banks and then Sasha Banks getting like the cheap roll up pin. Uh, you had your old school style tag team match with, you know, Southern style tag with the long extended heat spot on Enzo Amore. Then you had the boring Cesaro Jinder Mahal match and the, the big show. At this point, this felt like a 1988, like house show from the Philadelphia spectrum. That's what this felt like. It was worked in that style. It was, uh, you know, it, it was, it was lacking excitement for like an hour straight. 
you know, I really felt like they should go to intermission and come back with Iron Mike Sharp versus Jose Luis Rivera and have them go to a 20 minute draw because that's what this show felt like. They, it, it, you know, I felt like leaping Lanny Papo was going to come out and do a job to the natural butchery, <laughs> you know, and, and he's going to hold him in a chin lock for seven minutes before, you know, putting them away. That's what this show felt like. And, and, you know, a few, you know, three of the matches down the stretch were very good. The two Oh five match, the Roman Strowman match and the, well, I guess just two matches. Yeah, that's it. Just those two. Um, it just a weird show, not a good show, not a show I could recommend. One of the weaker pay-per-views that they've had in a number of months, if not over the last year or so. Um, lots of weird booking issues that I that 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 we both have taken issue with. Um, definitely the old thumbs down for uh, slow lane. Am I right? Slow, yeah, <laughs> slow lane, the passing lane. Break, break. Not from room. Okay. Um, do you want to go into these TNA things while we're angry? Do you want to go through uh, TNA? Uh, let's. Or do you want to do you want to lighten the mood a let's little? Let's do TNA last. Let's um, do the let's do New Japan. Okay. And then uh, we'll save TNA for the end. Uh, New Japan. We're going to talk about the end of the first anniversary show, the bigger of the two anniversary shows, not the Corican show from the next night. Uh, we'll we'll blow through that, but we'll start with the anniversary. Now, did you see the entire anniversary show? I saw the entire anniversary one, the Oto Ward uh, one. I saw the entire thing. So, so Kazuchika Okada versus Tiger Mask W. I have a lot to say about this match because I loved this fucking match. What I loved about this match was. You've got Okada throwing out a challenge to Tiger Mask W after he survives Minoru Suzuki. And it's sort of a tongue-in-cheek thing. He's got a big smile on his face. He says he wants to wrestle this hot upstart Tiger Mask W. Everybody laughs. Everyone's excited. 30-minute non-title match. You got Kota Ibushi giving these tongue-in-cheek promos to build the match. They get in the ring. They're having this fun, well-worked Exhibitiony style match for the first half of the match. Similar to what Tiger Mask W had been doing against other guys like Juice and all those and Red Death Mask, you know those sort of things. We're just kind of playing around a little bit, having fun. Yeah, they're all they're both running through all of their signature spots, and it's a nice little match, but nothing to write home about. All of a sudden, Tiger Mask W hits Kazuchika Okada in the face with a forearm that was a little bit stiff, and Okada did not like that from the cartoon character. Okada snaps, takes the man down. And just starts to kick and stomp his head while he's cursing at him in Japanese. And just goes off on the guy. And then Tiger Mask W forgets that he's wearing the mask. And in a total callback to Wrestle Kingdom 9 against Nakamura. When Nakamura was doing the same thing to him. He just rises to his feet. Shoves red shoes out of the way. Punches Okada straight in the jaw. (laughs) Takes him out. And repeats the same thing and starts stomping Okada's head in. And again, the camera zoomed in on his fist, too. That was great, too. They're, they're so good at the camera because he hits him with a fist and he's just holding it. And the camera just zooms in. And it's just like Tiger Mask looking at his fist being like, yep, I did that. And from then on, these two men just wrestled the nastiest, most violent match. It just turned into this, into pure nastiness. And it just turned into an incredible match where these men just wanted to punish each other. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like they make no bones about the fact that this is Ibushi. It's, 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 you know, I mean, he does all Ibushi stuff. They did a callback to Ibushi's match with Nakamura. Mm-hmm. For, I mean, you know, but, but with the added benefit 
of him using the signature tiger mask spots, like the tiger driver and the uh, tiger suit. Right, and I think there's a way to do this where you can maybe say, hey, uh, Kotobushi's guy's kind of weird, and now he thinks he's this guy, but at certain points, like, it kind of comes out sometimes. And, and, like, this weird alter ego thing that he's got going on, which is fine. I think it's a good way to tell the story because doing it in the sense that, oh, this isn't a Kotobushi. Who are you talking about? Well, Kotobushi who? Is stupid, but to do it in this way where it's kind of like... Everybody knows, but maybe Coda thinks that it's a whole different story when he gets that mask on. But then he can snap, and certain times he'll snap out of it and be Kota Bushi. And that I think that's a good way to do it, where where we're not idiots in that sense. And I don't think anybody is idiots either, because because even Kevin Kelly and Don Callis were, which I'm sure they were instructed to do, were kind of doing, oh, geez, hmm, that seems pretty. And then like at one point Kelly said, well, that's a callback to 2014, or and like oh, it was very obvious Ke- about. Kelly made a note of that. He did. That's a great job out of Kelly. Yeah, because I wouldn't have expected Kevin Kelly to right when the chin. It said the chin got so he got hit in exactly that exact moment, and Kelly went, "Hmm, a little bit of a callback to something that happened in 2014." That's a nice job and, out of Kelly, which I'm sure he wrote, and and that's what I mean. I don't think he came up with that on his own completely because we we know Kevin Kelly's you know awareness of the product is is still kind of catching up a little bit. So I'm sure there was a note that said, "Hey, mention this." So I, I it's it's a directive see, now. I think see, of, of I I disagree. I don't think that they're paying attention to those two. I could be wrong. We should probably try to find out. Um, I'd be surprised if they are. I still get the feeling that they're kind of just – they give them a table and here you go, guys. Uh, I think you there's, think there's they're certain, coaching them. You think they're coaching them. I don't think – I don't know if like – you know, I, I think there's – Directives? There's are, people. Yeah, I think there's people that are, 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 are coaching him a little bit in sense of not necessarily maybe the office that's doing it, but – Somebody, the guy that's doing their notes for them is a little bit aware of what New Japan wants so to get you, across. You think, that makes you sense. think he knew that spot was coming? I well, I mean, I don't know that Kevin Kelly. I don't know if he knew that spot was, or, or he was directed inside. I, I don't know, but I just thought it was weird that Kevin Kelly would mention that. So when do I, I don't, I find it very. I don't know that Kevin Kelly knows. Like, oh, geez, that was a callback to his match against Shinsuke Nakamura at Wrestle. You know, I don't know that. Something was in the notes that said, mention this when this happens. You know what I mean? Because it was right away. And yeah. Kelly isn't, hasn't been one of those right away, and, and let's, oh, and, that's what this moment's supposed to be. For. No, for sure. And, and let's face it. That was the key spot in the match because it, yeah. that transitioned the match from this fun little exhibition thing to, wait a minute. This is a serious fucking match now, and these two men can't stand each other. And it was in that moment that what they were telling you was, Abushi was saying, all right, motherfucker. I'm not a cartoon character anymore. You've taken this to a different level, and I want you dead. And uh, you know, and then they did the spot on the top turnbuckle where Abushi, uh, where I guess um, Abushi was going to go for a uh, Hurricanrana from the top. Okada blocked him and was going to give him a tombstone off of the top. Abushi, you know, did some crazy flip to get out of the corner, and then he climbed back up and gave him that fucking. Tiger driver off of the top rope. Oh my god! What a great spot that <laughs> yeah. was. I didn't know that was coming either because I, I tried to watch this on spot. I mean, I knew the result. No, because but I, who I the wanna... fuck would take that spot? Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, Kata, what are you doing, buddy? Man, is it? And that's just part of what makes this guy great. Dragon suplex off the top, no problem. Tiger driver off the top, where the, the slightest thing goes wrong. I'm laying next to Hanma, no problem. This guy will do it. He puts his body on the line. He works hard. And then down the stretch of the match, I know you love this stuff too. We haven't talked about it. I wrote all about it in my review. But, you know, Okada, yeah, he hits a Rainmaker. They do another callback because he's, he's dead at this point. He can't cover, so he holds the wrist, okay? He gives him the second Rainmaker. And then you think, all right, the match is over, but no Rich. He went for a third Rainmaker. Why? Because in those certain situations, we've seen it with Nakamura in the G1 final, and we saw it with Tanahashi, where this guy just fucking decides – that 
He fucking hates you, and he's going to hit you with a third one just because. Not because he needs to, but he wants to send a fucking message. And he went for that third Rainmaker, and I don't know about you, but I was stunned when Tiger Mask W ducked and Okada missed that third Rainmaker. I could not believe he missed the third attempt. They've never done that before. He always hits it. And then, uh, you know, uh, he briefly makes a comeback, but he's too, he's too woozy at that point. He gets killed with a German suplex, and then Okada finally hits another Rainmaker and isn't so cocky this time to go for another, and he just puts them away and wins the match. And then Tiger Mask W is so dead Whoa. and annihilated afterwards that he goes for the handshake, and Okada extends his hand, but he's falling, and he just falls at Okada's feet because he can't get to his feet. And I thought it was very important that while Okada did have his arm extended, he made no effort to help the man up or complete the handshake. He kind of just left him there like, you know what, motherfucker? Fuck you. If you can't get up and shake my hand, then this handshake's not going to happen. And he just walked off and left him there. To me, planting seeds to a proper Okada-Abushi match at some point without – Yeah. And I, and I think uh, planting seeds uh, again, which has been going on all year, of Okada not necessarily being the you know happy-go-lucky leader of the entire company, uh, you can put my face on all the billboards type guy, a guy with a little bit more edge and, and a guy that's so, showing some chinks in the armor too because we've seen now a lot of these matches, he's, he's winning, but it's, it's, it's little by little. It's starting to break down a little bit. It's not working as well as he wants. He's getting a little too cocky, getting a little too big for his own riches, and it's going to bite him in the ass one of these days, and that's going to be the big moment. Yeah. Is because you don't have it happen right away. You have it, okay, he's winning these matches, but man, he's getting really close to just, just getting a little too showy here. We saw it with the Suzuki match, too, where, where it's just like, it, dude, just put him away. Like, And he could have done that with Tiger Mask. He could have just put him away, but he had to make a statement here, and, and one of those times he's going to make that statement, and it's not going to work. Yeah. And that's going to be a big moment when it happens. And, and, and you might get a whole different Okada character then after that, too. I think he's always, always going to be kind of the Rainmaker, but there'll be a little bit of an edge because little by little, that edge is growing and growing. And again, I, I mentioned Callis and, and Kelly were big on that. Callis was, was, was saying that a lot of, man, Okada's been showing a lot more edge lately, and, and it worked this time, but is it going to work the next time? And, and that, I, again, like, I don't think Callis came up with that on his own. There's some something there, I, I think. And and you can see it in the booking and the way that these matches are being progressed, too. So I love this match. I mean, from a story perspective, just, just oh, incredible. Oh, just great pro wrestling storytelling. And, and as you mentioned on Twitter, too, the, the Okada has the same match all the time. I mean, good God, what, what are you talking about? In, in consecutive months, those couldn't be any different matches. The Suzuki and Tiger Mask W, completely different spectrums of matches. So just shut up. Just stop. And don't even, months. I don't even want you. I don't even want you getting on that because it's not even yeah, worth because the time. It's like it's consecutive so months. Every match he has is vastly different. Yeah, it's like so it's, there is, there is potentially no worse take in wrestling than Okada has the same match every time. Like right. you're ex- not going to give it even, we're not even going to give it any more yeah, than you finish your you sentence. Really do, but then we're you done. really do expose yourself as an absolute biased dope. If you honestly hold that opinion, because his matches couldn't be more different. I mean, like you just said, can you get who had, the Suzuki match and this match were so completely men both told great stories and Omega yeah so we, we yeah, pick up three matches Omega in, match for March eighth so only say you watched the big Okada you haven't watched the random tags you haven't seen the sort of shit. you've only seen the three big Okada matches this year you saw three wildly different matches yeah. things that weren't even remotely in the same stratosphere of being the same style <laughs> right so how about the Tanahashi draw that you want how about the Marafuji loss on night one of the G1 where he basically got squashed. And then the Marafuji rematch. How about the Ishii match where they basically just battered the shit out of each other? None of these matches were this. What are these people talking about, Rich? 
I mean, where are they even coming up with this? I, I, I don't know. I know you don't want me to do it. I know you don't want me to do it. But I can go <laughs> right down the line and give you, like, the guy's last 10 matches, and none of them are the same. It, it's, it's arguably the worst take in all of professional wrestling if you make that take. You really look like a dope if you have that take. It's a, such a bad take. All right, so we had Hiromu Takahashi against uh, Ryusuke Taguchi here. Um, again, this was, to me, uh, I gave this four stars. I thought both guys were so good here. But the big takeaway for me is Hiromu Takahashi had a great match that was completely out of his wheelhouse. We know that he can go balls to the wall and wrestle like a, uh, with complete reckless abandon like he does against Dragon Lee, like he did against Kushida at the Dome, and have a great match in that style. But this was Taguchi sort of forcing him to work Taguchi's match. And this yeah. was serious Taguchi. This was no goofing around. Taguchi From the beginning, too. He got in the ring and, and didn't fuck around at any point. Yeah. And that was, that was cool. And I really think this showed that uh, Takahashi, to me, is one of the best wrestlers in the world. Probably one of the ten best at this point in this year. Because uh, he, he, he really did something different here. And they also told... A long-term story. I mean, the build to this match, which was phenomenal, with all of the tags and Cork and Hall leading up, where Takahashi was deathly afraid of that ankle lock. Taguchi was showing that he was just as crazy as this guy, so he couldn't be intimidated. He would do, like, that tongue flick motion at Takahashi. And Takahashi had no idea how to handle that stuff. He's like, whoa, this guy's even crazier than I am. Then, he, you know, he had him deathly afraid of the ankle lock. As soon as the bell rings, Taguchi goes right for that fucking ankle lock, and Takahashi goes scrambling out of the ring. And then it was, like I said, it was a, it was a Taguchi-style match, not a Hiromu-style match. And I thought it was important from two perspectives. One, it showed that Hiromu can work any style. Two, it, from a storyline perspective, it showed that Hiromu can overcome a veteran opponent in that veteran opponent's style and overcome the ankle lock because Taguchi had him in that ankle lock that was a key spot in the match for what? Two or three minutes there before he crawled to the ropes. He survived the ankle lock. He showed that he was able to survive it. He beat Taguchi clean in the middle, continuing the theme on this show. And that's it for Taguchi. He moved on. He beat him. He put him in the rear view. He showed he's a tier above. He showed he's better than Taguchi. Down comes Kushida for the challenge. We move upward and onward. Great match. Yeah. Yeah, you said it right there. I, I got nothing else really to add about it. So Yeah. Good stuff. And then uh, now we'll shoot back to the top of the card. Manabu Nakanishi uh, took on his self from 25 years ago. <laughs> that was a great, yeah. And when I watched it, I had that in mind uh, re- reading your review about it. And yeah, it was absolutely like that. Like, because it just looks like Nakanishi like, shaved his head and, and went back in, in 25 years. Because yeah, it was, uh, I enjoyed this a lot. <laughs> this is really good. Oka's, Oka's getting there. I mean, it, 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 you're starting to see it little by little. But I thought this was a, a big leap for him. And I thought Nakanishi worked his ass off too to try to make. Uh, Oka look good as well, and actually she's just beating on Oka too, and, and Oka taking it well, and and that's that's an important part too, is is, is being able to sell because we haven't really seen that a lot with Oka. Oka's been really good at sort of doling out the damage to other juniors and other uh, uh, young lions rather. In uh, this time, he, Nakanishi said, "No, I'm going to beat your ass, and and you're going to take it," and and that's exactly what he did. It was uh, it was interesting though, and then yeah, even making a little comeback before the end though, I, I thought was was really nice. So I like this match a lot. I mean, <laughs> it's not one to skip at all. I know it's on a dark match. I know it's the pre-show, but but absolutely worth a watch. Easily a three-star match. Um, it, it was like Nakanishi hopped in a time machine in, in 1992 and said, "I'm going to go to 2017 and wrestle myself." I mean, they look like mirror images, 25 years apart. And yeah, Nakanishi laid a beating on him. Oka had his moments, though. He did that belly-to-belly overhead suplex on Nakanishi, which looked incredible on a man of that size. And uh, give Nakanishi credit for taking that bump. 
And then Nakanishi struggled to get him up in the Argentine backbreaker. He, he failed on the first attempt, which I thought, uh, you know, to give a young lion a chance to break the hold is, 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 uh, is, is noteworthy. And then he got him up for the second one and put him away. Uh, but yeah, definitely uh, uh, not a match that you should skip at all. We had chaos against Suzuki Gun In this case, Gato, Goto, Jado, and Yoshihashi against Davy Boy Smith Jr., El Desperado, Minoru Suzuki, and Taka Mishinoku. Uh, Eight-man tag here. Davy Boy Smith Jr. does not wear the Killer Elite Squad gear anymore. Um, I think with Lance Archer being out as long as he is, this is an opportunity to do something with Davy Boy Smith Jr. Um, I don't know that they necessarily will. I'm hopeful that they will. I'm not saying push him to the moon, but there's no reason this guy can't be pushed. You know, for a never a never title match, or maybe you put him in a tag team with Minoru Suzuki and chase the tag titles. I, I think he's a guy that you can give him something to sink his teeth into as a yeah, single. Yeah, I've always said that with him. I, and, and go back to all those G1s where he was without Archer or whatever. And it sucks that, you know, of course, he's without Archer. And, and that's, you know, the impetus for this. But I've always liked him as a singles. And I think he, he gets a little extra motivated, too, when he's out there on his own and, and knows that it's all him and everything is on his shoulders. Because you saw that with those G1s. He'd go out there and kill it. So I'm I'm all in favor of that. And he's a guy that I think they would get behind if. They have, you know, what I mean, like he's got all the the makings of a guy that they could get behind or or should get behind. But yeah, if they will, we'll we'll, we'll be interesting to see. Yeah. So chaos won that one. Everybody worked hard. Uh, then it was there was another. Uh, then there was a ten man tag with all the Bullet Club leftovers who had nothing to do. Yeah, this was just there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was fine. I mean, they were kind of fucking around and, and jacking around, but that's whatever. Fale, Omega, Tonga, Loa, and uh, Yujiro, and they beat. You know, Finley took the fall. Finley, Jushin Liger, Tiger Mask, Makabe, and Nagata. Uh, Makabe, of course, was supposed to get a tag team title shot here. He got moved into this match because of the Hanma injury and uh, with Tenkoji moving into the uh, tag team title role. So just a nondescript 10-man and a uh, nice clean win for Bullet Club. Bad Luck Fale gets the pin on Finley with the grenade. We don't have much to say about that. Uh, everyone's worst nightmare, Rich. Taichi and Yoshinobu Kanemaru are the new junior tag team champions. They end what was shaping up to be a very good run for Rapongi Vice. Um, yeah, no one's happy about this. The match was better than I thought it was going to be. I will say that. Yeah, I'll give I'll give him credit. I thought this was one of Taiichi's better performances in a, in a while. So it was very, I'll give it was that, very but... low on shenanigans, which except for the end, which was very high on shenanigans. Yeah, but, but it wasn't a match where he was, you know, it wasn't centered around him beating up people with the ring bell and behind the ref's back and I don't know. I I felt like, you know, it was just it, it was more of a traditional I don't want to say traditional because it was kind of a I, I, I don't I don't know what I'm trying to say, Rich. What I'm trying to say <laughs> It wasn't as shitty as you thought it thank would be. You. you would hate you thought you would hate this way more than you did and you didn't. Correct. So. I actually kinda liked it as a match. I just didn't like who won. I don't like the follow up either, though. <laughs> the follow up, not so much. Well, you're gonna have Gato and Jado as the next challengers. Here's the, what I'll say about that. As long as Gato and Jado lose I don't really have a problem. Well, they, yeah, they will. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would suspect that they will. Um, but if it's just to give them a, a, a title defense to kill time before they move on to the program where they lose them, because let's face it, junior teams aren't getting more than one or two successful defenses before they lose. I don't really have a huge issue with it, especially if it's like fourth or fifth from the top on some show somewhere, probably a Genesis or something. Um, I mean, come on, if it's like the second match on the card at, at in in in. Uh, you know, the former invasion attack, I'm not going to throw a fit over it. I'm not going to be thrilled about it, but I'm not going to throw a fit over it. Um, but yeah, so unfortunately, Taichi is a champion, and it looks like they're on their way to facing the world-class tag team. If the, You know, when world-class tag team held the NOAA titles last year, the junior titles last year, I, 
I had to go back and look because it feels like they're redoing the same thing, but they never faced the Suzuki gun team. So I kind of misremembered that they faced Harada and Katoge and they faced, uh, hmm, okay. yeah, I could have swore that they faced. Yeah, that's weird. I... Yeah, yeah, they didn't though. So I was like, wow, this has got, what are they redoing the same? But amazingly during their run and they had a successful title defense and then lost the titles, either, but they never faced a Suzuki gun team. So technically it's fresh. I know no one wants to see it. Uh, <laughs> Zack Sabre Jr. versus Shibata for the Rev Pro title. Now, I have no idea what you thought about this, so I'll go first, and then I'll be surprised with what you have to say. I think you know what I think about it. You read the review. You saw some uh, discussions I had on Twitter with some people. I, this match pissed me off because this was well on its way to being a great match, uh, better than the other match I saw between these guys. Um, the, the work was, 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 was excellent, and they were really building to something down the stretch. And then down comes Suzuki gun. Down comes Minoru Suzuki to hop up on the apron. Shibata kicks him off the apron, but in the confusion, Davy Boy Smith Jr. gives him a, uh, a bulldog bomb. And then uh, I don't know where the ref was at this point. It was obviously a uh, borrowed ref from Dragon Gate, but Minoru Suzuki got back into the ring, gave him the gotch style pile driver. Zack Sabre Jr., uh, who was kind of staying out of it at that point, then had a huge shit eating grin on his face, took the cheap cover and won the title, joining Suzuki Gun in the process. I'm annoyed because they ruined what was uh, becoming a great match with the run-in. And you know I'm a match-first guy, Rich. I just, I, this was, I was, just as I'm getting into the match, they pull this. As far as the angle goes, I didn't think it was a terrible angle. I'm not so sure how I feel about Zack Sabre Jr. being part of Suzuki Gun. I'm going to give it time and be fair about it. My first instinct is I'm leaning bad idea because I don't think I don't want Zack Sabres Jr.'s matches all ending like this. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's my concern. Mm-hmm. Now, if that ends up not being now, it looks like they're doing some kind of belt collector gimmick with him where, you know, he's wearing the Evolve title, which is clearly as you know, they just do not <laughs> give a shit. What Ring of Honor thinks? Ring of Honor, that that poor, they're in such a Ring of Honor is in such a bad relationship, and they just still don't know it. They still call, hey, is everything okay? You know, they they're the one that texts at night when they don't hear, hey, is everything okay? Are you are you are you mad at me or whatever? Yes. And and New Japan just looks at the phone and puts it down and goes hangs out with its other friends. And are you mad or are are you is everything okay? How was your day? You know, just like. New Japan just can't be bothered to return the text and hey, oh sorry, I didn't see your text. Yeah, yeah I didn't, everything's good. I didn't, <laughs> We're doing didn't okay. See like your text, like this is 2009, and the phones don't tell you that. Right, where it tells me that you read it, right, right. but you know, yeah, oh sorry, I, I didn't. Yeah, my phone was not working. Uh, my phone was dead. <laughs> yeah, my... <laughs> right. I I... That's 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 New Japan. Oh sorry, I, I didn't. Uh, yeah, my phone. I, I lost signal. Where I, I, I didn't get the alert. I was <laughs> right. Oh, the notification didn't come up. Ring about. Oh, it's okay. It's all right. Hey, how's it going? How's your day? I was driving in a tunnel. Right. Ring of Honor just still comes back. Hey, how's it going? Ring of Honor. They, they, but, hey, what are you doing this weekend? You want to hang out? Uh, yeah, maybe. I'll see what's going on. And then, yeah. you know, if New Japan has nothing else going on, nothing yeah, okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm free. You want to go see a movie? Oh, yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's. Ring of Honor, Ring Flowers, too. Hey, how's it going? Oh, flowers, huh? Thanks. <laughs> but, I mean, really, at the end of the day, is it. I've been Ring of Honor many times. That's how I know, I know so well about the Ring of Honor. But here's the thing at the end of the day, <laughs> is it really that big a deal? No, who cares? I mean, is honestly, is it that big a deal that the Evolve title was on the show? I mean, I get it that it's kind of a slap in the face, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I really, I don't know. I don't know if it's that big a deal. But, uh, you know, and he had the PWG title too, and now he's got this Rev Pro title. So 
And 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 the next night he beat he pinned Goto. So it looks yeah. like he'll get a never shot. So he's doing like this belt collector gimmick, which I could get into, provided his matches don't end like this one did. I don't know, Rich is in this finish just to me. It killed what otherwise was developing into a great match, and that bothered. Yeah, me. Yeah, I'm right with you. I, I don't know if it completely killed it as much as that because I liked it a lot. I think I liked it better than any of the other Shibata Saber matches that I've seen. Um, but it, it hurt. That finish did hurt a little bit. It, it I, I, I'm not. I think you really, it really took away from you, and I, I could tell in that rating as well because you talk about how much you love it, and then that rating, you know, three and a quarter, and then you talk, you know, for the last paragraph all about that finish or whatever. Which, which I agree, it, it hurt the match. I don't think it hurt it quite as much as, as you laid it out. But still, I was left with the thought of like, okay, that was a really great match, but that's kind of now I'm going to go into these Zack Sabre matches with, you know, one eye on, you know, okay, who's going to come out? What's going to happen? What shenanigans? Because we know that's how, you know, they they book, you know, the heel stable thing and, and especially how they book Suzuki Gun is, is they come out and they do those nefarious shenanigans. And, and with Zack Sabre, I just don't think you need that because he's a guy that's so good that you can tell the story that he's just a better wrestler than these guys. He's a better technical wrestler. And he doesn't need this shit to win. And and I guess they're going away from that a little bit. And, or, or we'll see at least if you're going away from that. Because I just don't know that's a good story to tell with Sabre. I think Sabre can can get over on his own being either... If you want him to be a bad guy, I think he can be a dickhead and, and, and be dickish in the way that he kind of works the match. Because I thought in this match he worked he worked kind of like an asshole to Shibata, which was just fine. I think th- there's always that good little element of Zack Sabre being an asshole in his matches, which always does work. But I just don't like the idea that he needs help to win. I, I just don't think that really does much for him. It's not like he 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 needs the cheap win like a Taichi does or an El Desperado does or or those other guys who it does work with Suzuki going when they come in and it's like ah oh, those guys suck. But you know they get Minoru Suzuki on their side and he comes in and helps them. I, I don't think Saber needs that. It, it so it sucked the air out of him coming to New Japan for me. Yeah, it really did because now I'm just like eh, now he's just a guy and I, I don't want Zack Saber Jr. to ever just be a guy because he's not just a guy. He's great. So, I mean, and they faked everybody yeah. out by by labeling him as chaos before the show, like on the on the on the matchup screen, which was clever. I'll give them that. But it, it just gave me visions of him and Will Ospreay forming a tag team and all these, you know, I, I don't know. I just uh, it, it really took the air out of the balloon for me. I'm going to give it a chance, but I really don't want any more of this nonsense. Um Tenkoji replaced uh, Great Bash Heel against Tomohiro Ishii and Toru Yano. I think this is a title change that we can get behind, unlike the junior title change. Um, it, it, Kojima did the Kokeshi spot. The, the, you know, the, the, the roof blew off for that. The crowd was behind Tenkoji the whole way. Tenkoji, say whatever you want about Tenzan's physical state. Rich, it's like fucking clockwork. If you put these guys in a match that means something, they're giving you three and a half stars. You know, they don't blow you away. Mm-hmm. They don't give you the four-star match anymore, but they go out there and they exceed your expectations every time. This was another example of that. And I think the crowd helps a lot, yeah. too. I think the crowd – because the crowd's always on their side. Yep. So you can't help but get he, you know heated when you watch a Tenkoji match or whatever because even if the work's not, like, great stuff and you're not like, oh, my God, I cannot believe how good they are, the crowd just goes absolutely fucking nuts for anything those guys do. And they hit Kokeshi – and the, as you said, the roof blew off the place. And from then on, you knew. And you kind of got the idea, okay, these guys are going to win. And the crowd, they never left then after that. They were all in on Tenkoji after they did that. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's one of the things that really does help them is that the crowd just adores those two guys. And especially Tenzan where, you know, whatever you say about him, it, it, the, the guy, the crowd just absolutely loves him. Yeah. And, and any match he's in is going to always have that that element where the crowd's just all in. And, and that really does help uh, to me. I've always been a guy who, who a hot crowd does help a match. Oh, and, it does, it absolutely. Always, I'm with you. There's no yeah. question. I can't watch it on mute and go, oh, that was really, you know, it, it, it's a hold. I mean, you can, there are matches that still hold up on mute, but there's some that just get so much better when you got the sound. And Tenkoji is always one of those teams for me. Yeah. And uh, it was a feel good title switch. I think it was the right decision. 
And it was a match that it was a Tenkoji match that one. I got to keep saying that they over deliver because they give you that three and a half star match every single time out and you're not expecting it. But it was the right decision. The Ishiyano team. Look, I think that was an accidental championship team anyway with the Noah situation. So they got their way out of that. And I think maybe Great Bash Heel was probably going to win these titles anyway. So I think what they've done here is they've slid Tenkoji right into GBH's whatever long-term plans they had for GBH and the tag titles. I think they just put Tenkoji into that spot. And you could do that easily without disrupting anything else booking-wise because you know they had no plans for Tenzan or Kojima moving forward for anything. You know, those guys just work uh, prelim multi-man tags. So do you see what I'm saying? You can put them in Great Bash Heel's spot, carry out whatever booking plan you had for Great Bash Heel, and it doesn't disrupt anything else. So I, I, I kind of think that's what's going on here. Um, so from that perspective, it's nice to have a team like that sort of just sitting on the bench that you can just stick in a spot like this and it all works. Uh, next up, we had a eight-man tag, Los Angabra Nobles, the guys that didn't have singles matches, Bushi, Evil, Sonata, and Naito. And they faced Tanahashi, Juice Robinson, Kushida, and Mike Elgin. LIJ won. Rich, I've had enough of these LIJ multi-man tags. They're all very good. I always enjoy them, but I feel like I've seen a thousand of them. And you, you have. That's it's not an illusion. They, they've. That's literally all they've done this entire year, almost. Yeah, so. I mean, it's it's either a six-man tag, and then two other guys have like Naito and Evil will have a singles matches, or it's an eight-man tag, and like in this case where Hiromu has the singles match, or if none of them have a singles match, it's a 10-man tag, and they're always facing some combination of the guys that they faced here, or they're facing a chaos combination, and and don't get me wrong, it's always a good match, these guys work very well together, it's just the same old, same old, Um, and and I, look, there's going to be more of them, there's no way to avoid it, um, I, I would rather see Bushi, Evil, and Sonata defend those never trio titles on every show. You have these titles. We praise the way they've used them before. This is a perfect example of where you, you probably could have used them on this show. Then what do you do with Naito? I don't know. But, uh, but you know, I would like to see them defend those titles more when Naito has singles matches or whatever. But, uh, look, I, I just – look. These matches are all the same. What do you want me to break down? I mean, they're, yeah. they're, 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 there's not much there. They're yeah, always identical. Was... There's a missed spot at the end, and which usually leads to the finish a lot of the times. And it's just the only thing to pay attention to is who scores the fall and who gets pinned. I mean, there's really nothing else to break down here. Yeah, I, I have like almost nothing in my notes. I just went, yeah, <laughs> LIJ match. Like, I, I, I got to shrug at this point. I don't know. Yeah. I like them, but there's not anything to talk about. You know, we've, we've said it already about them. Every single time. So, yeah. So, it's a fun show from start to finish. Um, yeah. You know, it, most... Easy watch. Really easy very watch. Easy I mean, watch. everything was everything was solid. No, yeah, there was nothing on this show that was... Because, you know, if the Taichi match delivers, you're in for an easy night. You know, because everything else really delivered. Even the, the, the throwaway tags in the beginning delivered. The dark match delivered. Um, your mileage may vary on the Sabre Jr. Shibata finish. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I thought the main event was great. I mean, just, to, you know, another home run for Okada, who just delivers every single time. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, this almost went to the time limit. I, I don't know if that really didn't work into the story. But as I'm looking at this now, I didn't even realize that they almost went the full. Because remember, this was not a title match. This is a 30-minute time limit, and they went over 27 minutes. So uh, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. You know, I didn't I didn't even realize that either. No. So. And then maybe in the commentary they maybe in Japanese commentary they mentioned, but I don't, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, that's weird. Okay, that's that would have been a really cool dynamic too if you got really close to that. Yeah, they didn't work that into the story, but I, I just noticed that now. The next night they had a 
the second leg of the 45th anniversary in Cork and Hall. This was a mystery vortex show, Rich. No card announced until you were in the building. And oddly enough, it was the first Cork and Hall sellout that they've had. <laughs> People were all in on that, yeah. Now, the thing about the Cork and Hall sellouts, um, you know, to me, this is not a red flag because they keep selling out all of their major shows. You got two super no vacancies at New Beginning. This anniversary show sold out. The New Japan Cup final is already sold out, and it was sold out a month ahead. They're selling out, uh, I think that's what, three shows this year that have sold out a month in advance. Um, the New Japan Cup final sold out without you know, a single match announced other than people know that they're getting the final. So the big shows are healthy. I think what's happening here is the New Japan fans are smart and they're savvy and they know that a lot of these Cork and Hall shows are shit and they're just not going to these Cork and Hall shows that have nothing going on. And I, yeah, which and I, can't I don't blame them. them. Yeah. yeah, no, why would you? There was one stretch there with the Togi Makabe show, 20th anniversary show, the two Ring of Honor shows, and the New Japan Road show where they ran four Cork and Hall shows in nine days. Okay? That's asking a lot of your fans to begin with. But when some of those shows are just not good lineups at all, and you got semi-main events with Punisher Martinez, and you've got New Japan Road shows that are just the driest possible lineup, and you know the Togi Makabe show, which was basically not part of canon for the most part, you know what I mean? It's kind of just a right. It's like, and then you do four of those in nine days. I wouldn't buy a ticket to that either. I'm not going to all those shows. I might pick one. I might pick two. But, I, you know, I don't blame these fans. And I think it's funny that now they get a show, a mystery show with no lineup, and they all bought tickets to that because they're thinking, oh, maybe we'll get something decent here because this guy never gives us anything decent otherwise. It's, 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 you almost feel like they should keep this moving, uh, you know, do, keep this strategy moving forward. But you, you know that you can't because you, gotta, you have to have the lineups ahead of time to help set up angles and things like that. Uh, but anyway, we're not going to go through this show match by match. It, I tell you what, though. Uh, they announced the lineup and two matches immediately jumped out. The Kenny Omega Tamatanga versus Tomohiro Ishii Toru Yano match and the Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kushida against Evil and Hiromu Takahashi match. And I guess the main event too with Bushi, Sonata, and Naito, even though we just complained about these uh, these uh, LIJ six-man matches against Okada, Romero, and Yoshihashi. The second half of this show looked real tempting on paper when they announced it, the first half looked like much of the same with throwaway tags. But I got to tell you from start to finish, this was a real fun show. Everything delivered. You might be looking at this show on paper and saying, I'm not wasting my time with that show. Or maybe I'll just watch those, those two straight up tags from the second half. That would be a mistake. If you're a big time new Japan fan, you should watch this show from start to finish because everything on this show delivered, Uh, particularly the second half of the show. The second half of the show was excellent. As a matter of fact, Rich, and uh, let me look at my notes. I wasn't prepared here. But, uh, yeah, so two of the matches I actually went over four stars on. The, the uh, let's see. Totally unprepared. What was the date on this show? Oh, we're in March. I'm looking at February. That's the problem. Yeah, so the Tanahashi-Kushida match against Evil and Hiromu, I went four stars on that. And then the main event, Okada, Yoshihashi, and Rocky Romero against Naito, Sonata, and Bushi. I went four and a quarter. I thought that was an excellent match. Okada worked hard. Rocky Romero and Yoshihashi looked great. Uh, Rocky Romero, I'm glad he got a chance to shine in a big spot like that. But yeah, the second half of the show in particular 
was excellent. I know uh, some people went over four stars on all three. Um, I only did on the final two, but the entire show from start to finish, although it looks dry on paper, was a real fun show. And I do recommend, unlike the New Japan Roadshow, which was absolutely shit, <laughs> yeah. I do recommend that people watch this show at least at minimum the second half of, uh, of this show. So moving forward with New Japan, we've got the New Japan Cup coming up. Uh, what, what are, the 11th. It starts. It oh, kicks this, off the 11th. So, yeah, it's coming up real quick. Yeah. So we've got the uh, New Japan Cup. You have it on the notes here somewhere. Yeah, I got uh, just a real quick. I mean, I know we kind of broke it down a little bit a few weeks ago, but we I thought it'd be a good idea. To do it Hanma, so. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to kind of go over the first round matchups and a little bit of an idea where we maybe think that it's going. So here are the first round matchups. Uh, kicks off March 11th, as we mentioned. Uh, stay tuned for New Japan uh, Cup Pick'em. Uh, we might do it this year. We might not, but we'll, we'll know in the next few days if we're going to launch it or not. So uh, keep your eye out for that uh, on the website. But yeah, here's your first round matchups. You got uh, Tanahashi versus Evil. And then Yuji Nagata versus Tango Rao, and they will uh, they'll face the winners of both of those, of course, in the second round. So, uh, any ideas where that's going there? I, I'd assume Tanahashi moves on, but I'm gonna say could you, I'm gonna say this could it be an upset? I'm gonna say the same thing I say every year. I can never predict New Japan Cup. I'm also not that. I never get into it either for whatever reason. It doesn't exist. Yeah, it just kind of feels like it's weird in the calendar or whatever. And yeah, the problem is they use it as a tournament where they can kind of mess around a little. Like, you know what I mean? It's not like it's booking this gigantic. I mean, Invasion Attack's a, a big deal. So, you know, the winner more times than not will be, you know, a pretty big guy or a guy that you can sort of sense who's going to win. And, and we'll get to these here. There's, there's a guy that, that definitely stands out amongst others. But it's a lot of upsets. It's, you, you know, they can do the one match upset with guys. So it does kind of get wild there. So while I do think Tanahashi's going to win, it, it wouldn't stun me if Evil beat him. So. I I think Tanahashi's winning that match because Evil has left Tanahashi laying a million times in the build. That's true. That's true. At the yeah, end that's... of every tag they have, Evil kicks the living shit out of him. Uh, so yeah, um, I I think Tanahashi will win just based. Yeah, on I that. do too. But... And and what's the other match in there, Brack? Uh, Nagata versus Tango Lao. So uh, yeah, and that's Nagata replaced uh, Hanma. That that was the replacement for. Uh... For Hanma, Hanma was originally correct, booked yeah. So Nagata, and it really doesn't matter who wins that. Um, in relation to, um, they, they like to do the upsets. You know, New Japan Cup is, you know, they love to do the upsets. So either one of those guys can face um, uh, Evil or Tanahashi. I think so. Um, yeah, I, I, it doesn't really matter. What are the next two? Uh, then you got Elgin and Bad Luck Fale, and they will uh, face off with the winner of the Toro Yano Tamatonga match. Okay, yeah, so Elgin and Fale and Toroyano. Again, I, I think it, either one of those guys can face the Elgin. I, I got to be honest. I can't break any of this down. It's so unpredictable. I, I, <laughs> it's really hard, know, I, yeah. I saw somebody um, – I don't remember who tweeted it, but I, I, I saw somebody tweet something saying, ah, New Japan Cup, there's only like three people who can win. Isn't that every tournament, though? <laughs> like, like, it's like... Like, you're right. Tamatonga is not going to win the New Japan Yeah, I mean, like, how, <laughs> why would that destroy your... Like, like, how many people can realistically win a G1? You know, it's like, I, didn't, I really didn't understand. If, if anybody can win a tournament, that means that tournament sucks because that means it's not building up to anything big. This is building up to Invasion Attacks slash Genesis or whatever. So, yeah, no, the guy who wins is going to be somebody who could main event a big show. So no, Tomatonga is not going to win. Like, yeah, I don't know, but but it's, just Robinson does not have a chance of winning. Sorry, like it's it, it's. Give me give me the next quadrant here. Okay, next quadrant there is Katsuri Shibata Minoru Suzuki at first round match. That I think everybody is looking forward to, uh, and then Juice Robinson versus Yujiro Takahashi. So uh, <laughs> a little bit of the contrast there. Uh, the Shibata Suzuki, I I feel like Suzuki will win this because I think Suzuki's winning the whole thing, but. You know, you think I don't Suzuki's know. Suzuki's winning the tournament. 
I do, I do. Yeah, I think he. Interesting. Does. So you think you're going to do that rematch? You don't think that's completely in the rear view then? Okay. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. And then what's what's the the, the final ones are Omega and uh, the final is Ishii and Omega versus Yoshihashi and Sonata. Yeah. The only thing I'm looking for, what I'm looking forward to here is is Kenny Omega versus Ishii. I think that's going to be great. Yeah. And Suzuki versus Shibata, I, you know, I, and Tanahashi versus Evil. I think those are going to be great matches, and that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm not so much wrapped up in the booking. I know that's boring radio, but I, it's so hard for me to predict these new Japan because they love to do the first round upsets, and uh, you know, and and it's it all makes sense. I think next week when we get to round two, we'll be able to better than say, okay, well, it's obvious this guy's moving forward. This guy because right now it, it, anything's up in the air. I mean, Evil can be Tanahashi, and Ishii can beat Omega, and Shibata can beat Suzuki, and we're like, oh, okay, well now we got to kind of. Pick up the pieces from there. So we'll, we'll see. It's, it's impossible to guess after the first round. The more yeah. I think about it, the more you're probably right that Suzuki's going to win because they're not going to do so. the Omega match this soon. Oh, God, no. Yeah. And I don't think you're going to do um, – you're not going to blow – you're not going to do the Shibata match now. I mean that would be kind of silly. So who else? There's not many other guys. And there's nobody really. else. I mean, That's the point. Only three. Other than Tanahashi, but they're not doing that either. So I would argue with whatever that tweet was I saw and say that only one guy can win. I really don't mm. think anybody else can. Because you're <laughs> Sorry, to not to make it not fun, it's, but it's, yeah. I, I think you're right. I think, Suzuki, you yeah. think you're right about that. Suzuki is winning, which means he's beating Shibata in the first round. Which, uh, you know, Shibata just lost his Rev Pro title, and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that's going to hurt Shibata any. You can rehab him very easily. Yeah, go on a G1 run, nobody will He could beat Suzuki in the G1 and get that win back. Or... Exactly. No one will remember that he lost in the first round of the New Japan Cup or lost his Rev Pro title. Man. But those are three awesome-looking first-round matches. Yes, yes. So you at least you got that to look forward to. Once you get a little bit farther in the in the in the, I guess you can get a potential Minoru Suzuki uh, Kenny Omega match, which I'm, I, I'd look forward to. Uh, Tanahashi maybe versus Elgin that or you know at least Tanahashi versus Balak Fale in the future looks like a possibility too. So that's a fun one. Um, otherwise, there's not a lot. I mean, you get that first round, there's a bunch of matches, but then as you kind of get on in the tournament, I, I don't know if there's a ton of like great second round matchups. Um, semifinals will be solid, and I'm sure the final will be great too. But yeah, it, and this is what the New Japan Cup always I, is. So. Listen, I never get hyped up for this. A lot of people tune off like World Tag League. I it's weird, but like I tune out during this. I for whatever reason, I know it's better than World Tag League. Don't get me wrong, but I never get wrapped up in New Japan Cup. I don't know, but that's this weekend and. Uh, they've got it spread out over a number of shows this year. Yeah, so you got the 11th and the 12th this first round, then uh, 13, 14, 15, and 17 are round two. So you got a, quite a few uh, for round two, and, and a lot of these are not all of them are airing live on New Japan World either. There'll be ones that are you know next day deliveries and that sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see how that works. Uh, semifinals March 19th, and then the final will be March 20th. So right. Uh, very spread out. So we'll be talking about New Japan Cup for quite a while. It's not like it's just going to be a one night or two night thing. So. All right, Ring of Honor. Two-part Ring of Honor thing here. Uh, I want to talk about the 15th anniversary pay-per-view, which is coming up uh, this weekend. Uh, you might not know, but yes, indeed, there is a Ring of Honor pay-per-view coming up this weekend, and they want you to pay 50 bucks for it, which I don't know how many. Like, who, like is anybody in the world dropping down 50 bucks for Ring of Honor actual pay-per-view? I mean, somebody is. It's got to be less than 1,000, right? It's got to be less than 500. I can't imagine. Someone's buying these things. Go, go into your like go into your little cable menu and going yep 55 bucks or 45 bucks or whatever it is ring of honor 50th anniversary let's do this like who's reviewing this for us uh sean cedar well, he's, our ring well, of honor you go. Experts, he's buying yeah. it he's he's doing preview and review well uh, you can get it on the website too that's what i meant they have the iPay-per-view. is it cheaper it is much cheaper yeah yeah oh so it's only 45 on like the actual no no, no it's not 45 for the iPay-per-view. but wait what how much the, the iPay-per-view is 45 dollars no, no, no. I'm saying it's not 45 for the iPay-Per-View. Oh. 
You don't know. I'm saying I, I was I was my f- question was about the actual pay per view itself, like how many people actually do that. Yeah, no, I know. I get the yeah, WWE. Yeah. You get like the old guys that are like, ah, I don't, yeah, I don't do the network. I don't have the internet. You know, like, I get. But like the average Ring of Honor fan, I cannot imagine as someone that goes, well, no, I'm not using the internet. I'm gonna like, especially if they can I get just... it on the website for exactly. That's so it's just it's a which lot. I mean, Ring of Honor. I guess they figured they're cutting out the middleman, so they sell it cheaper on the website because. Sure. Oh no. I mean, it makes sense. I just, I, I, I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm just kind of curious. No, you definitely anybody. are. But I think that. Yeah. I mean, I'm making fun of the, the whoever it is that that sits down on Friday and says, "Yep, forty-five. Here we go." Let's. I think this, maybe so. they. I think the buys are probably very minimal, and they're just getting impulse buys from people, you know, doing the old yeah. channel flipping. <laughs> who flips channels these well, See, days? no one flips channels, but you know what they do? Do they do menu flip? I think everyone brings up the guide. Yeah, menu. sports maybe. You do the sports guide and, or whatever. And you That's cycle what through say. the channels and you decide what you're going to watch. That's new age channel flipping. Nobody just goes through the channels one by one and, you know, decides what they're going to settle on. But I do think people do do menu flipping. You know, you go through the whole menu. And maybe you come across, it's a lazy Friday, someone's in their easy chair, like, ah, oh, look at this pro wrestling gimmick. I'll give this a – look, I don't think many people are doing it, Rich. <laughs> right. But I, I think there's probably just a few people out there who are – They'll have to get through, like, wrestling's bloodiest brawls or whatever uh, to, to order this pay-per-view. What, who are those? Like, what do anybody watch? Have you ever – do you get those on your cable too? Of course too? they do, Absolutely. What are those? What matches are those? I never. I like. I kind of want to just plop the whatever money they want just to see what it is. I. I. I I'm just curious of what matches they are. Uh yeah. I mean, there's it's like wrestling's most hardcore matches, and I'm like, who? Who? Like, what's the date on this? I'll tell you what's head to head with it right now. It's on Friday. Friday, yeah. All right, so let's go to Friday at eight o'clock, and I'll tell you what. <laughs> direct. There's definitely a, a TNA one night only, probably right. Here's its competition. Uh, Wild girls making videos. Okay, airing on uh, channel 122. We've got Ring of Honor winner take all in HD and standard definition. Oh, there you go. Uh, we have uh, what else we got here? Uh, Disney's Moana with uh, The Rock. That's it. Not much comp. Oh, none of the other weird no, it's wrestling. Just Damn. No, it's just a bunch of movies now. We got. I love those offshoot wrestling. <laughs> Bad Girl Beach Babes tease on the second half of Ring of Honor. <laughs> I might check that one out. Yeah, that that sounds pretty solid. Uh, dirty dancing for summer. Dirty dancing, hot, young, and wild. I don't think the uh, I don't think Patrick Swayze is starring in that one, but uh, <laughs> it's it's maybe it's a sequel. I don't know. It says sexual super freaks on the dance floor. Hot young girls with monster curves put it all on the dance floor. Monster curves as they nice. grind and dirty dance for you, for you, Rich. So dirty dancing, hot, young, and wild. Yeah. You're not going to be seeing the sways in that one. Also, he's dead, so that's also <laughs> that would be a tough, yeah, tough sell for a. Uh, and then uh, for the last few minutes of Ring of Honor, because uh, these are all like weird 25 minute things. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, sexy flashing flirts in public. That one's kind of <laughs> straightforward. They're telling you exactly what you. get. Yeah, like you know what you're getting. You play whatever you're paying for that, and you know precisely what you're getting. So that, that, I like that. I appreciate that. Someone's paying to watch girls flash their tits in public. <laughs> On pay-per-view. Is there going to be sex involved in that in any form? Like, are there... I feel like no. I feel like it, that's you're just going to see a bunch of boobs like popping out of shirts, That's what right? I feel like, too. But it's like, who would, like, at least, like, do the girls, like, like do they have sex after that? Like, in a hotel room? Like, what's going on? That seems like a very poor buy on pay-per-view. Let me see how much that costs. <laughs> just in case you want to. Uh, so feel free to okay. A sexy flash here or there, getting stared at in public by wearing as little as possible is the attention these girls crave. So feel free to give them what they want. They may return the favor. 
Ooh, okay. Hey now, hey now. Adult pay-per-view, adult content, adult language. Wait, so they want you to flash them and then they'll return the favor? Yeah, that doesn't make sense. It's, so it's, I just like throw my <laughs> – I don't think that's going to work. I feel like I could try that. Let's read it again. Let's break it down. It says – Okay. Getting stared at in public by wearing as little as possible is the attention these girls crave. So feel free to give them what they want. They may return to favor. Okay. So they want Joe Lanza to wear like a thong. No, they don't. And then they're going to ha- – okay. They, they want you to pay attention to them and then they'll pay attention to you. Ah, okay. So you looking at their boobs makes them want to have say, sex hey, with you. Okay. Joe Lanza, you looked at my tits that I showed you here in public and on the park bench. I'm going to look at your crotch now. You know, that's what right. it means. They're like, I'm mm-hmm. going to look okay. at your crotch. But see, I, I, I won't be scantily clad. I'll just be there like in my jeans. You see? They're not. Okay. Here. I thought they wanted you to be scantily clad and then were into you because yours. And I, I didn't think. No, that yeah. They like, so. you're thinking like I would be in like the banana hammock or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. That's... The Borats, the Borat, you know. Yeah, like the Cheetah Prince Speedo. Something yeah. like that that an Italian guy would wear. But no, I, that's not what they want. They're just saying. If you pay attention to them, they'll pay attention to you, which I think, wink, wink, Rich, they're saying they'll fuck you is what they're saying. Mm, I get it now. So okay. now I think there might be some sex involved in that program. Uh, I can't find it. There's no price. So in, in all that time, I decided to just look up what the wrestling's bloodiest wars are, and they're just a bunch of Matt Tremont and Jun Kasai and Masada shitty matches. It was garbage. They're all outside wrestling. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what any of these things are. I, but. Who knows? Like, I, 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 would, I don't want to say they're CZW because I don't know that they are, but they look like they're all from CZW. Some so. sleazy promotion sold their footage to one of these pay-per-view distributors. That's basically what it, but we don't know what. Yeah, one of them is called Wrestling's Bloodiest Wars Barbed Wire, and there's a barbed wire board match between Danny Havoc and Matt Tremont, and then a no-rope barbed wire match between Jun Kasai and Masada. You could not pay me to watch that. Not my cup of tea, my friend.